Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. It is a good morning here in Salt Lake. It is a great morning in Phoenix. Possibly the easiest morning of sports talk radio those guys have done in Phoenix in a long, long, long time. The Suns are going to the NBA Finals for the first time in 28 years. And I know since then, the Diamondbacks have won a World Series. and The Cardinals have gone to a Super Bowl. But the Suns are the original team in the Valley of the Sun. And after a brutal decade, a brutal decade, they're back, baby. They're back in the NBA Finals. I guess it just goes to reinforce what we've been saying the whole 19 years we've been doing the show. Pro sports, you never know what's three years away. You don't know. There's it, things change so fast. In the case of the Phoenix Suns, they changed in one year. They weren't even a playoff team a year ago. They they got through the whole skipping steps thing. They brought in a veteran in Chris Paul, who's already been there and done that and skipped steps. And and they got some, you know, and Jay Crowder's been there also. Jay Crowder. So they got some playoff experience. They brought in a couple veterans. And Chris Paul, man, did he pay off in game six. 41 points and eight assists. And he hit some big shots, and the Clippers gifted him some open threes. In some ways, it's just like the last game six the Clippers played, except they were in the role of the Jazz, not in the role of the Clippers. Getting it handed to them instead of handing it to somebody else. A little different. I mean, obviously the Jazz had a 25-point lead in that game. And the Suns led this game from the start. They looked like they were going to lead by seven after one, and Cousins banked in a three off the glass. (laughs) against insane pressure. He had two guys right in his face and just lofted it up over him and in. Uh, so it was a four-point game after one, and it was nine at the half, and then it was still seven late in the third quarter. And although the Suns had led the whole way, and it did feel like they were in control, you know, seven points, that can get away from you pretty quick in the NBA with all these three-point shots. But Chris Paul went off. The run went the other way. Paul hit a three. Paul went to the layup and got a bucket. Um, also flopped and drew a technical foul on DeMarcus Cousins that I thought was really soft. Cousins did raise his elbow a little bit. Um, Chris Paul went down like he was shot, and then he's laying among his guys, and he's, like, laughing. And, of course, it's the Western Finals, so <laughs> so ESPN has cameras everywhere, including one in the roof straight above Chris Paul, and they take the shot straight down at him, and he's laying on the ground smiling. Oh, that, that was a brutal flop. Uh, but he got a technical on Cousins, and Cousins was shaking his head. But then, as they just continued to pull away, because that 8-0 run by Paul, uh, he went and hit another three also. Pushed the lead to 15. It was 14 at the end of the quarter. They ran it up over 20. There's a timeout, and Paul crosses paths with Patrick Beverly and just looks at him. I thought that he said something to him. You know, watching live, they were going into a replay, and they crossed paths, and I thought, did Chris Paul just say something to him? But the shot was from behind Paul, so you couldn't really tell. And they're in, the, they're in the replay, and then somebody's like, oh, Paul and Beverly are getting into it. One of the announcers called it, and they came out to him, and they showed a replay pretty quick, and it was still from behind Chris Paul. It still looked like he said something. But they showed the, the other angle coming back from break, and he didn't say anything. He just looked at him, man. It was like some kind of Jedi mind trick or something, and Beverly just snapped. I mean, the guy plays on the edge anyway. He's small. He's undersized. He doesn't shoot very well. If he doesn't play with an edge, he's not even in the NBA. So... Sometimes you have to take the good with the bad, and he does provide some good, and he gives the team an edge, and he defends like crazy, but, man, he snapped. He got ejected, and the, the fourth quarter was just a coronation. I mean, aside from that, it was, it was just it was the Suns rolling, and they win in six, and they go to the NBA Finals, and they wait now for Milwaukee and Atlanta. Chris Paul, 36 years old, he finally gets there. You know, Donovan Mitchell has been 
so frustrated after the last two playoff eliminations. And, and, and they haven't just been eliminations, right? The Jazz blew a 3-1 lead against Denver in the bubble, and then they blew a 2-0 lead against the Clippers uh, in this last series here. So I get it's been more than that. But you just think, man, how many playoff frustrations has Chris Paul had along the way? And how many times has he changed teams? I mean, can you even name all the teams? New Orleans to the Lakers briefly. Never played for him. Trade got rejected. Then to the Clippers. And then the Clippers break up the gang and they send him to Houston. Then Houston sends him to Oklahoma City and Oklahoma City sends him, sends him to Phoenix. I mean, at some, Paul shouldn't, some point, shouldn't Chris Paul have gone to the East and had an easier path? He did it the hard way. He was in the West for five different teams. Six if you count the Lakers, but he never played for them, so we won't. But now there he is. He is in the NBA Finals. He's going to get a shot. He's going to get the Bucks, or he's going to get the Hawks. And he's got a chance here to get a final. <clears throat> and that is, um, you know, that is quite the accomplishment. We talk about LeBron and him cheating father time. But, man, at least LeBron's a big dude, right? And the big guys always last a little longer because, well, they're big guys. Uh, but the, the six-footers, man, it is really hard. And I guess some guys have done it. Obviously, Stockton did it. Um, but here he is. He's, he's poised at the mountaintop and looking pretty happy at the end of that game. And now he gets Milwaukee or Atlanta. And the good news for the Buck fans is that Giannis Antetokounmpo, they're saying his knee is structurally sound, so he didn't tear his ACL. You tear your ACL now, you're not only out for the playoffs, you're out for all the next season. I mean, you're done. It's a year off. I mean, it's basically what Clay Thompson's just gone through here. So you're, you're and, and it's what Jamal Murray's, Jamal Murray may be back for the very end of next year, but he's going to miss a lot of it. Um, but they say Antetokounmpo's knee is structurally sound. Now, they also say he's doubtful, and there are stories out there that he's not going to play in the playoffs no matter how much longer they're in the playoffs. Maybe he's out two to three weeks. If, it, if the knee is structurally sound, I don't, I don't understand why he'd be out two to three weeks. I'm, I'm not clear on that. But there's a lot of info we don't have, and they're obviously holding some stuff back. Um, I mean, I get it if he has some swelling and he's out while the swelling goes down, and that could be several days or even a week. Um, this series now, with the West done, uh, they're going to play tonight. Uh, they will play again Saturday. If there's a seventh game, it's on Monday, at which point I guess the NBA Finals wouldn't start until next Thursday. So, you know, it could be a week here before the finals start. I don't know the exact dates on the finals, but I, I, Thursday makes sense to me is when it would start. All right, there you go, DJ and PK. That's the, uh, that's the basketball. Uh, coming up, we get some football for you next. Uh, Zach Wilson with the Jets. We've got a guy who works for the Post, and he works for WFAN, and he covers the Jets. And how is Zach settling in, and is the team good enough around him, and do the coaches have enough experience? And we'll get to all of that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk Jets football with Brian Costello, reporter for the New York Post and WFAN. Brian, good morning. Morning, guys. How are you? Did you ever think you'd be on the radio in Utah? (laughs) 
I've actually been on the radio in Utah quite a bit over the last... Uh, <laughs> I, I bet you have. <laughs> Brian Costello joining us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property. Concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation? Find out more at smartrain.net. All right, so uh, I guess first impressions, and did you really put any put anything in anything you've seen so far because it's way early yeah yeah no you take everything with a grain of salt in the spring they're in shorts there's no tackling um you know so you, you kind of just have to view it through that lens but i thought zach had a good spring uh he didn't look confused you know that's something that can happen even in the spring he looked like he knew where he had to go with the ball uh and he was uh he made some wow throws you know, what you expect from a guy taking number two overall. Um, but he looked like he belonged, and he, he didn't look overwhelmed at, at, at any times. And there was no practices where he had four interceptions or anything like that. He, he had a couple couple interceptions here and there, but a lot of times it was tip balls and things like that. There, there weren't many throws that made you go, uh, that was a terrible throw. So, um, you know, overall I thought he was pretty impressive this spring. So it looks like they're hitching their wagon to him. It's a new coaching staff and all that, so there's some level of optimism. Do you believe that they are going to just stick with him through thick and thin, knowing that there's probably going to be some, well, I don't know if it's thin or thick, whichever is the bad of the two, going forward? (laughs) He's going to have some growing pains. Does he have to look over his shoulder? Oh, he doesn't look over his shoulder. There's no one there. (laughs) So, I mean, the Jets are really taking a huge risk in their backup quarterback situation, in my opinion, because they don't have a quarterback on the roster right now who's ever taken a snap in an NFL game. Um, so that's not something that's recommended. Uh, and, you know, the, the, I haven't seen a quarterback go through 16 games here since 2015, probably was the last time, and that was after Geno Smith got punched and broke his jaw in training camp and Ryan Fitzpatrick being the starter. But there was almost always is, you know, a little injury here and there. Guys in the starting quarterback this time, and right now, the Jets have James Morgan, who was a fourth-round draft choice last year and didn't play at all last season, and Mike White, who's uh, been kicked around for a little while but never played in the game, as Zach's backups. And so he has. There's no threat to Zach right now. He's he's all he's there's there's no one. He doesn't need to look over his shoulder. There's no one there right now. So, what is the number one challenge for Zach Wilson in your mind? I think it's the same as, you know, every rookie quarterback is just adjusting to NFL defenses. You know, the defenses are going to be so much different than what he saw at BYU. And, I mean, even if he had, even if he had played an SEC schedule, the defenses are different. And now you're talking about, you know, the, the teams that he played at BYU last year were not, you know, even, even that caliber. So it's going to be defensive coordinators are going to mess with him. Um, and, you know, week two, the Jets play the Patriots. And Bill Belichick loves to face rookie quarterbacks. And he's going to throw things at Zach that he's never seen before. And he's going to have to adjust and adapt. And, and you know, the coaches are going to have to help him through that, really. But I think that that's a big thing. And, you know, the Jets, are they're not ready to win right now. They're better than they were last year, but they were a two-win team last year. So he's better four wins this year, five wins. You know, like, so he's going to have to adjust to that and adjust to – uh, things things do not go well in the NFL unless you're Patrick Mahomes. Really, there, there's a lot of adversity, and he's going to have to. We have to see how he handles that. 
So, Brian, I was born in Exus County, grew up in Morris County, so I understand the people. I am one of them. I am not a nice guy like Jets fans aren't either. And we hear a lot about that in the New York media, and I realize they play in Jersey and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, it seems like that Zach has, from our perspective out here, the temperament to handle all that. What have you seen as far as that goes? Yeah, I think he's well-equipped for it. Um, you know, the people here sometimes make uh, uh, they made a thing of, oh, he, he's from Utah or he played at BYU. But to me, the BYU quarterback is, that's a big position. Yeah. You know, that, that is, you're, you're under the, under the microscope if you're the BYU quarterback. Um, so I don't see much of a difference for him, uh, coming here in that regard in football terms. What's different in New York than anywhere else is off the field. All right. If Zach decides to go out after a game and have dinner with his teammates and, that kind of thing and drinks in New York, it's going to be in the paper the next day. That's how, it, you know, we have page six in the New York post. <laughs> That's where all the gossip is. If, if Zach, you know, has a new girlfriend and it's going to be in the paper. If Zach's mom is saying stuff on Instagram, it's going to be on our <laughs> website. Like there's, that's kind of different than what he's probably used to at BYU or if he had been drafted by Jacksonville or drafted by, uh, you know, a team not in his market. Um, that's where it's different. Football-wise, I, I don't think it's different than anywhere else. You know, these guys are always under the microscope, and it's the same way here as it was in Provo form. Well, if you we went out for drinks here, it would be in the paper, too. But that's the, true. That's the true. Instagram, <laughs> that got a laugh out of PK, so that was good. good well, good, yeah, good I mean, we there. didn't do anything with his mother, and now I understand she's, she blew up right, out, right off the bat with some stuff. that I mean, she's a flamboyant gal and all that stuff, and, you know, she loves to put herself out there but yeah. we, we just kind of well, roll with it it doesn't really make news the way it already has there yeah well, and I'll, I'll tell you like you know Mark Sanchez was the quarterback right the, the our paper we, we were at um, we actually sent the reporter We this is when Tebow was on the team we got a tip that Tebow was living at a golf course in New Jersey and we sent a reporter and a photographer to try to track Tebow down right they didn't find Tebow he wasn't there but what they did see was Mark Sanchez eating uh, on his porch. He lived on the golf course with Ava Longoria. So they took pictures of it. Well, of course. The paper the next day. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that, so that's for me. I have to go to Mark. Well, you know, sorry, Mark. You know, like you have to go. That's, I've had to deal with that with Mark. And, and with Sam Darnold was in, was in the paper for going out with his teammates and stuff. So that part of it is different here. Um, but, you know, if he throws four interceptions here, He's going to get the same kind of scrutiny that he would get if he's for four interceptions in Kansas City or Green Bay. It's the same thing football-wise. Would he make news if he goes down the shore? <laughs> he might. He's a, yeah, he <laughs> might. He might get some pictures. I mean, the Islanders. He went to the Islanders game. That was yeah. Uh, when with his teammates, so um, you know he's he's going to be a big celebrity here. So quarterbacks are celebrities, but it's still a team game. Has he got good enough teammates around him? Is the line well? Let's start with the line. Is the line yeah. going to protect him? Because when you tell me I haven't seen a quarterback go sixteen games since Fitzpatrick uh-huh. in twenty fifteen, the first thing, first thing I think is that O line's getting the quarterbacks beat up. Yeah, and they have. Uh, this O line has been bad for a long time. Now I'll say Joe Douglas, the GM, who you know he's this, he came in two years ago after the draft, so he's had. This was his second full draft this year. He's put more focus on the offensive line than his predecessors have for a while. So he drafted Mackay Beckton last year in the first round, who's you know a giant 
360 left tackle. He drafted Elijah Vera Tucker in the first round this year after Zach uh, from USC. So he's, he just signed Morgan Moses, the former Washington right tackle. So he's making an effort. So I think they'll be better. I, I don't think they're a good offensive line yet, but I don't expect them to get Zach killed this year. I, I think I think they have some pieces. The key with them is just staying healthy. Their offensive line has not stayed healthy. Makai Becton, is a, that's a big question with him. He didn't. He missed two full games last year, parts of four other games. He said he missed the spring this year with a foot injury, which when you're 360 pounds, you know, foot injury is not good. So um, that's a concern for the Jets. But I think their offensive line is trending in the right direction. And, and I think Zach is going to benefit from the scars that the organization has from Sam Darnold. Uh, you know, Sam was constantly under siege here. Sam didn't really have good receivers to throw to here. The organization recognizes that it did not do what it needed to do for Sam Darnold, and I think Zach Wilson's going to benefit from that. How much of a growing pain experience does the offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, LaFleur need? Because he's a youngster himself. He's like 33, 34 yeah. years old, and I know he's been passing game coordinator, but yeah. I believe this would be his first running the show at the NFL level. Yeah, it will be. So, yeah, there's going to be an adjustment there. I mean, it's interesting with the coaching staff. They've got first-time head coach, first-time coordinators in both spots, yeah. offense and defense. So there's going to be growing pains there. Uh, you know, they swear by this offense, and obviously this offense is going everywhere right now. A lot of teams are running it, the um, Shanahan offense. So they feel like it's you – know, I think Salah called it the best offense in the world. You know, to run this scheme. So uh, I think they're going to rely heavily on, on what he's learned from Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he worked for Shanahan in Atlanta and in San Francisco. But yeah, I mean, there's no doubt it's going to take him a little while. There's going to be some hiccups along the way, I'm sure, for this coaching staff. New York Post and WFAN Jets reporter Brian Costello join us here to talk about Zach Wilson and the Jets. So they're coming off a two-win season, but they're also only two years removed from a seven-win season. What constitutes an acceptable season and progress? Yeah, I don't know if there's a number like record-wise. I think it's just you need to see them trend in the right direction. I think if Zach shows a lot of promise, they'll feel good about that. They have a lot of younger players. They see some development there. They'll feel good. Um, you know, they just they looked inept last season. Um, obviously, you win two games. So they, they lost their first 13 games. They were there was games they just were not even in. Um, so I think just being more competitive, playing closer games, will be a step in the right direction. And yeah, you know, I, I don't think anyone has delusions around the Jets of them being a playoff team this year. But I think if, if they can get five six wins, uh, that's I think that's a huge step for them after two wins last year. Also, too, it seemed like for years. The division was the big dog and then the little dogs, basically. Yeah. And obviously the Patriots have taken a little bit of a hit. We'll see to what extent. I'm not sure last year was a complete and total fair evaluation. But you look at a couple other teams, notably the Bills in the division, it seems like you know, certainly the Bills are on the come, and I can argue that the Dolphins are getting better. So I can make a, I can make a statement and have some validity that the division is getting better compared to what it used to be, which would increase the difficulty for the Jets of being successful since they have to play these teams twice each. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's more difficult because obviously when it was the Patriots, you, you had no chance. There was no chance of winning the division. You know, every year. I'm just talking about winning win games, division. though, not winning, winning the division. Games. Yeah, I mean, there's been, yeah, I, I mean, 
the Bills, I think the Bills right now are obviously the, the best team. I'm not sold on the Dolphins completely. I need to see more from Tua. So okay. I, I don't you know, I don't necessarily look at that and go, oh, that's two losses for sure. I think the Bills right now, it would be a huge upset if the Jets won a game from them. And the Patriots, I don't know what to make of the Patriots. Like you said, last year was kind of a weird year for them, um, and they obviously spent a ton of money in free agency this year. So I, I'm curious to see what they look like. I, you know, it would still be an upset, I guess, if the Jets won a game from them, but I feel like they're, a little, they're closer there. Uh, the division, it, it's it's more interesting than it's been in a long time. Uh, I'll say that. Because I don't know, Buffalo... They look good on paper, but they're going from being, you know, the scrappy underdogs now to being the hunted. And I'm sure I'm curious to see how they respond to that. And, uh, and they've had very good luck with injuries the last few years. Uh, at some point, they're going to have a year where the injuries get them. Um, so it, it's a, I think the division is more open than it's been. Um, but, you know, the Jets are clearly fourth and chasing those other three teams right now. So then there's also how much good pub is the other team getting, and that's the Giants. If they are a mess, does that divert the spotlight a little bit? I mean, you have to be good and you have to win in the long run. It's all about you. But in the short run, hey, don't look at this. Look at that wreck over there. So how good are the Giants going to be? They have a a huge question at quarterback with Daniel Jones. You know, he's entering his third year. He's sort of in the Sam Darnold seat that was last year. Uh, what he can do in the third year. So I think the Giants are better. They, they got Kenny Galladay, who I thought was a good signing. Um, they have Saquon Barkley coming back off at ACL. If he can be 100%, they'll be a lot better, obviously, with him. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot more focus on the Giants than the Jets in terms of scrutiny this year. I think the Jets have a nice little honeymoon for this season because uh, Salah is very popular, a new coach. Uh, you know, Zach being a rookie quarterback is going to get a lot of slack this year. So the Giants are probably going to be a lot more under fire than the Jets this year unless they really have a, you know, horrible, horrible, horrible season. Um, but if, if they if they can win some games, I don't think there's going to be a lot of attention paid to the Jets' uh, problems this year. Can you save me a table at Star Tavern this weekend? <laughs> I, I am talking to you from West Orange. I know you are. New Jersey. So, yep, yep. So, there you go. Yep, I'll, I am. Uh, yeah, Star Tavern is the best uh, the best bar pizza you'll find. <laughs> 11 Lafayette Street. That's where my mother grew up in West Orange. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Small world. Yep. All the way out here, huh? Believe me, I am a fish out of water. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, we appreciate the time. Thanks for hopping on with us, and uh, we'll probably bother you again later this season. <laughs> Anytime, guys. Thanks All for right. having me. There's Brian Costello from the New York Post and WFAN talking Zach Wilson and Jets football. I'm really intrigued to see how many Jets games <laughs> we get to see this year. You know, we get the stuff all the time about, uh, you know, Channel 2 always shows this. The NFL is this big jigsaw puzzle. They're trying on all the platforms, on all the networks, trying to get the best teams, the most interesting teams. And last year, we got fed a steady diet of Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos, Bucks, Packers. And it was just a four, or, you know, 13, 12, 11 appearances from each of these teams. Now there'll be an extra game this year, so there'll be more appearances. But you basically, if you have cable, because... Uh, you got I was factoring in the Monday Night Football appearances, but the Sunday doubleheaders, the CBS, the Fox, the NBC, and the Thursday night, 
it was amazing, the steady diet. And the teams they buried are exactly the teams you would expect them to bury. The teams that were so hard to see here. You know, it's uh, it's amazing how well they uh, they play that out. The NFL, they get it. But this year, I'll bet we see a bunch of Jets games here unless they, they trend to 2-14 and 14, and then the second half of the season they'll vaporize. But if Zach's playing, I'll bet he's on here a lot. All right, when we come back, The Ringer. NBA writer for The Ringer joining us, Dan Devine, his take on the Jazz. How did it all fall apart, and where did the Jazz stack up for next season? How in the mix are they? What do they need to add? We'll get to that next. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA Draft to free agency and on to the Summer League, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. And Dan Devine joins us now, NBA writer for The Ringer. He's on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret Utah's in an extreme drought currently. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Dan, good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today, guys? We're doing well. There are still jazz fans, nursing wounds, healing up. From your perspective... What went wrong? What needs to be fixed? Uh, I think you could start with Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley getting hurt. <laughs> I mean, at the risk of, of being a very simple man. I am a simple man, though, so you've got to go with what fits. Um, the Jazz were a team that was built all year long on their capacity to break down opponents off the dribble, get the, you know, get the machine sort of working, swing, swing, kick the ball around, and... Uh, create advantageous shot situations, whether it was three-pointers or driving closeouts to get good looks um, or breaking them down in the pick-and-roll to get Rudy Gobert uh, high handoffs at the rim. And then when you are without one of your top two ball handlers for the bulk of the postseason, and then when he comes back, he is uh, you know, not, certainly not the all-star caliber player that we had seen from Mike Conley earlier in the season. And then when Donovan Mitchell picks up the knock that he picked up that, that was harming him in terms of his ability to push off and explode and, and you know, win one-on-one matchups, which is sort of the, the elemental building block of a lot of that offense, um, things start to stagnate and slow down. And then when, when that happens, when the Jazz are not outscoring everybody, but the, you know, one of the most high-octane offenses that the league has seen in recent years, you start to see the, uh, the seams a bit in the defensive structure as, on a team that has been tilted more towards offense the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, there's 
Rudy Gobert covers up a lot of sins. Everybody knows that. Uh, and the issue that you wind up with is there's not a whole, not quite as many one-on-one stoppers uh, to be able to go out and just lock somebody up. You know, Royce O'Neal has, has you know, turned into a really nice player, a great player in Utah, but um, pretty much everybody else was either at a size disadvantage or a physicality disadvantage or a quickness disadvantage in their one-on-one matchups when Utah, Los Angeles went small. And so if the Clippers are dragging Rudy out of, the, out of the paint, you need everybody else to be able to win one-on-one defensively and stay in front of their man. And they couldn't do that. And so I don't know that you look at all of that and say this is indicative of you know, fatal flaws and, you know, uh, I know like a poisoned tree that needs to be uprooted or anything like that. I think it's just, you know, the, the theory of who the Jazz were has changed over the past couple of years. It went from we're going to win with defense to, okay, well, that imposes a ceiling on us when we get to the playoffs. We have to be able to generate better offensive possessions. So they did that. They went out and they changed the structure of the team, bringing in Conley, bringing in Bogdanovich, uh, so, you know, putting so much more of a creative load on Donovan, uh, bringing in Jordan Clarkson, and then pick up a couple of injuries. The offense doesn't look quite the way it normally does, and then that sort of showcases what's up with the defense. So, I mean, the, 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 all of that is to say the, the, the short answer is you need two-way wings who can create, shoot, and also defend – and the bad news about that is every single team in the NBA is looking for the best versions of those guys, and they're pretty hard to find. One of the things that bothered me is that they got contributions from guys in the regular season that they didn't get to the level or certainly didn't get above the level of what they had done in the regular season. And you look at some of these teams, obviously the Clippers, uh, Phoenix with a campaign, uh, and Lou Williams comes off the bench when Trey Young can't play, and these guys produced beyond what we've expected. And when I look at the Jazz bench, nobody produced even what I thought they were capable of, let alone beyond as far as that goes. And so they're having this struggle as they got a bunch of younger guys on the bench. Uh, do you develop them? Or, but i got to win now. It, it, it's a dilemma there. So you're in charge. Uh, do you try to develop these guys in the bench, or do you just move away from them and try to bring in better players that, even if they don't get to play for a few games when they're called upon, they can come in there and do well? I mean, I think it's got to be a little of column A and a little of column B, right? I mean, to, to some degree, it's because you are the, – the, you know, the guys you mentioned who have – uh, outperformed perhaps their rep- uh, their reputation, or you know, uh, wound up producing uh, over and above what they uh, what you would have anticipated from them. You're talking about guys who can break people down off the dribble and create shots, and that's you know I think we see that uh, play up in the postseason just about every year, and. You know the Jazz have one of those guys, and he was so good during the regular season that he won Sixth Man of the Year. Um, but what makes Jordan Clarkson a sixth man as opposed to a superstar shooting guard is that he does that every other night as opposed to every night, right? And I think that's kind of the issue. Or, or, or you, you can't bank on him doing it for you know, 25 in an elimination game every night. You, sometimes it happens and he can carry your offense for a quarter. Sometimes it's, you know, three for nine or three for ten, and you're wondering when, you know, when the next shot's going to go down. Um, so to some degree, you know, you've, you've made your, your bed in terms of, of extending him. I think that was, it was a move that they had to make, you know, to, to re-sign him. They, it was a, he's a vital part of the team, and he performed great 
He's performed great uh, essentially since he got there. Uh, did not have the postseason he wanted, but I think that's true, as you mentioned, sort of up and down the roster. I think the issue is, you know, you're, you're already locked in with uh, the Gobert extension, with the Donovan extension, with uh, Clarkson now on the board, on the on the books, and then probably in all likelihood they're going to. You know, you're a capped out team. You're over the cap. You're going to have to go use the bird rights to try to bring back Mike Conley because you can't just get nothing. You let him walk for nothing. You don't have the cap space to replace what he brings, uh, and he's been great. So you're operating as an over the cap team without much flexibility to bring in a whole lot of talent. So I think you know you can look for. You know, guys that you might be able to, to target with your mid-level exception or, or something like that. Uh, you know, the sort of the smaller around-the-margins additions that you can sign in free agency. But you're going to have to see what you can, you know, develop with a guy like, you know, Mieoni or, you know, the, the other sort of recent draft picks. Like, is, you know, are you going to be able to hit a home run again with Jarrell Brantley or something like that? Juwan Morgan are these guys, you know, the kind of guys where, like, you can get some player, you know, the player development system that has churned out so many positive contributors in Utah. Can those guys kind of play up uh, with some more time, some more reps, and some more seasoning? And uh, and then you know, beyond that, it's you know, you have to try to like work the margins because you've made your big bets. You've bet on Donovan. You've bet on Rudy. You've, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining you're going to be betting on Conley. Uh, you know, you, you've bet on Clarkson. You've made those decisions. So now it's, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of money to play with. So it, it, it needs to be we do better with what we have. We, you know, chalk up some of this injury and some of it. We try to, you know, get in the lab and, dis- and dissect where we fell short in terms of defensive scheme or is there a way we can coach up some of the, some of the guys on that end. And then you, you, know, you put everything you can into getting those younger pieces on the fringes of the roster to be more playable when it matters most. So losing to a Clipper team that has got four guys who contributed at different times who are only getting paid $7 million. It is possible to get production out of not a lot of money. It's not easy. 100%. 100%. Nobody, nobody knew Terrence Mann's name last year. And now, you know, like that. So that's the, I mean, it's about, but it's about the right guys, right? It's about finding the right kind of players. Mann plays up because he is a, you know, big guard, small wing with length, athleticism, who can shoot, and and who is a north-south attacker who can defend multiple positions. Again, not easy to find guys who can check all those boxes, but when it, you, they, they are out there. There are guys who can who fit those bills. It's about finding those kind of guys because and you want to find them now as opposed to having to pay the market rate for them because when if Terrence Mann keeps doing this when he gets to free agency he's going to be in line for a gigantic raise. You got to be on the early side of that for of that uh, growth curve rather than the later one. Well, they're early with him, but Batum, Jackson, and Cousins will all be free agents in the offseason. They're not making any money either, and at different times, they've all given him something. Yeah, and, and I think so. some of that is... But, I mean, those are also... With the exception of Batum, and Batum was a somebody I wrote about early in the season. I thought he made a ton of sense. I think I had even talked, to, talked about him a little bit last year, where it's like, that's a guy who has been in sort of a depressed situation in Charlotte, um, where he's been injured a bit and also just hasn't really played in games of consequence for a while, but he fits the bill of a guy who, when he gets an opportunity, can check off a lot of boxes and, and, and in a, a better context surrounded by better talent where he becomes like a floor raiser or an amplifier as opposed to needing to be a number one or number two guy. Uh, he's somebody that can, that can make an impact. But, you know, DeMarcus Cousins is coming off of you know a series of, of massive injuries that, Effectively, I mean, it seemed like it was going to end his career. 
Um, you know, the, uh, the, there are guys uh, sort of up and down these rosters where we're seeing tra- and, and also Cousins is, a, is still a, a like liability. You saw that the other night. I mean, yes, he, he put up 15 points and was a, was a massive contributor in that in, in the offensive uh, on the offensive end for them. But Phoenix went at him in pick and roll every time they got a chance to, and they were getting buckets almost every time they got a chance to. So it's about it's not just can you find the talent, I and mean, that's that's hugely important. But it's also can you put the talent in position to succeed, and also are can you be can you are you willing to and are you able to live with sort of the uh, the bruises in that apple? Can you can you make it through the warts and live with those? To be able to get, you know, uh, maximize what you can get out of them, and so the Clippers are able, have, you know, have been able to do that because, you know, Paul George is standing on his head at this point. Because, you know, and, and earlier on, so they had Kawhi Leonard. You know, when you when you've got the sort of, number, you know, number one or number two, like the 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 the, the big marquee players to contribute in that way, it gives sort of more space and more freedom for the other guys to, to sort of get in where they fit in and contribute in smaller roles or, again, you know, playing up against somebody's fourth or fifth best defender or only against second unit lineups, so on and so forth. So um, for the Jazz, what that means is you need Donovan Mitchell to be great. You need Donovan Mitchell to be great every night. And he, I mean, that, I think that's one thing you don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater here. Donovan Mitchell was tremendous in this postseason. And, I mean, I'm somebody who has been uh, skeptical to, to some degree about whether or not a guy, you know, 6'1 or 6'2 can be your all-time creator, that can be the guy who is going to be going uh, head-to-head with these big wings who can sort of, you know, are somewhat more matchup dependent or matchup proof rather. Um, and Donovan Mitchell was, you know, on fire. He was incredible um, before he picked up that knock. And so I think you, you, you come out of it feeling better about his capacity to be the guy who carries the offense and makes things easier for everybody else. But uh, you still, you know, you're still going to need more of those players who can match up on the wing, and you're still going to need more players who can contribute on both ends to, to fit in around him and Rudy. What'd you make of the Dennis Lindsay situation? I'll be honest with you. I don't really. I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, you know, Dennis Lindsay's. I think was the only 51, 52 years old. So it's not like this is him saying I'm walking off into the sunset necessarily. Um, you wouldn't be surprised to see him, especially with the track record that he built up in Utah of uh, developing that core and you know building a perennial contender there. Uh, the, you know, the, the sort of from the, the midstream rebuild with after losing Gordon Hayward for nothing is is you know that's the kind of thing that mid-market teams or smaller market teams just aren't supposed to be able to do. So um, I was a little surprised to see him go. But also, I mean, I think maybe the, the, the underspoken part in some of these things is that these are incredibly high-pressure jobs, and if you're doing them for a long time in one setting, maybe that just sort of grinds you down. Um, and so maybe there's part of it where it's just, you know, this is uh, an opportunity for a reset for him, or, and, or maybe the Jazz are looking at it and saying, we think, uh, it, to, to the point that we've sort of been discussing, the theory of our team changed, and we, had, we, we made a different sort of uh, stylistic calculation in terms of how we want to build out our roster and what kind of team we want to be. And then for that to hit into a ceiling or to feel like it hit into a ceiling also, maybe there was a calculation of we might need to have a different uh, approach to what the theory is going to be moving forward. And so, well, you know, we'll see. Sometimes change can be good. It can, uh, you know, elevate new voices. It can bring in new ideas. Uh, it can, you know, wind up creating sort of a different way of looking at things. And sometimes, you know, you, you wind up, uh, you, know, you know, looking back for, and, you know, wishing for a little bit more of what you have. But I, I think the, 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 re, the remaining brain trust, I think you still feel very confident in the work that those, you know, those, uh, those guys have done. Uh, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see where, you know, if Lindsay's name starts coming up as, as job openings, you know, 
around the league uh, pick up. You know, this you know, maybe not this summer. I'm not sure how many front office changes you're going to see, but you know, moving on down the line. There are plenty of Jazz fans who believe they just missed the best chance ever to win a championship. Uh, a lot of that's based on all the injuries around the league. But how good do you see the Jazz being going forward? How good can they be next year? I mean, I don't see any reason to think that they can't continue to be in that uh, upper echelon of the West. I think the, the 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 sort of the general underpinnings of what they are, at least as a regular, you know, again, as a regular season team. You know, the the ability to have a consistently good defense. You know, as long as you've got Rudy Gobert in the middle and, and healthy and available, you're going to have a top tier defense. Um, I think you again, you come out of this postseason feeling really good about what an offense led by Donovan Mitchell can be, especially as he continues to expand his range, expand you know the volume and the ability that he has to pull off the dribble, uh, and all that can open up for him and for for his teammates. Uh, you bring back Com, assuming you bring back Conley, and you know there the there's a you have the core of a you know top five ish team on both ends of the court coming back. So I think. If that's true, and you are, you know, uh, we have no idea what injuries are going to look like. Uh, I mean, we're also going to be coming off another shortened off season uh, for a lot of teams too. So, you know, with the last year, we saw that uh, wreak havoc on the teams that made it deep into the bubble. Who knows if it's going to be a similar story for the teams that made it deep into the into the the, the playoffs this year as well? But uh, I think you, as, as long as you have those sort of baseline fundamentals, you feel pretty good about what they can be as a regular season team. And if that's true, and you're talking about a team that's going to you know, be in the mix for home court advantage in the playoffs, like, that's a, a starting point that I think more, you know, at least more than half the league would feel pretty good about. Um, but I think that there, I mean, there are big questions. There's big questions about uh, you know, what they look like if they have to walk into a series against Teams that have two, another, you know, more series against teams that have like two or three of those kind of top end guys, especially the ones that are big wing creators or that are two way, more more complete two way answers than uh, Donovan or Rudy can be, just given the nature of their games. So um, it's not a satisfying answer, but I, I mean, I think what, where we come out, I don't know that I come out of it a whole lot different than I went into it with the Jazz, where I was like, that's clearly an excellent team that has a, that can beat you in a couple of different ways, but there are it's it's not laden with two-way guys who can sort of solve any problem on the fly. You need to find more of those guys in whatever capacities you can find them, whether it's through the draft, whether it's through the sort of bargain basement signings, whether it's getting lucky with development, that kind of thing. So, uh, I mean, I think the, 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 they're going to be – as long as you've got Donovan and Rudy, I think you're in the mix. I think you're in the mix for a uh, uh, home court seed. Um, and then it's about where the bounces and the breaks go from there. Some talk around the Blazers and Damian Lillard. You think there's possibilities some action could happen there? Uh, I mean, I would. I honestly would. I would be surprised if he if this is him. He's gone this summer. This feels more like, and this is you know based on this is pure speculation, but it feels to me more like okay. I'm now not very happy with the way things are, are have been running. I, I, I've, been, I've given nothing but my commitment to this organization. I've played at an MVP level year after year, uh, you know, been sort of the, the clutch answer that allows us to outperform our underlying metrics and all that stuff and keeps us in the mix. 
and I don't know that I feel like we are making the best choices as an organization in terms of how to surround me with a bit with talent and uh, you know put us in the best position to succeed. So I'm going to start shaking the table a little bit. But that's that I that to me reads in terms of like the steps that this goes in, like make things better for me here rather than get me out of here to something better. That's, I mean, just my read on it from 3,000 miles away. I, have no, I, I don't know, but I will say that the more, the messier it gets in Portland, first with Neil Shea uh, firing Terry Stotts and then going out and giving a press conference where he was saying, like, the roster is not the problem, essentially absolving himself of any blame in the situation and saying, I put together a, a championship-caliber roster. It's on somebody. We've got to find somebody else that can make it so. And then following that up with a coaching search that – turned pretty toxic pretty fast, uh, where Blazers fans uh, had a real, uh, you know, many Blazers fans had a real reaction, a real negative reaction to the idea of hiring Jason Kidd or Chauncey Billups uh, as the head coach for, you know, their, their legal issues with respect to domestic violence or rape cases in the past. That became something that was a huge deal and obviously uh, was not responded to very well by Portland in their introductory press conference yesterday where they were not going to give any more information about why, what made, they made them comfortable about Chauncey Billups being there, not even answering follow-up questions from reporters about uh, what Chauncey Billups learned from that experience, all those sorts of things. It feels like the, the, the way things are working in Portland is, is trending downward and maybe is not a working environment that if I was a superstar player, I might want to continue to stick around in. So if that keeps getting messier and worse, things could pick up with Dame. But I think my guess for right now is that it's make things better here and then if that does not happen over the course of this you know this next season uh then it's you know then it maybe becomes i want something better somewhere else he signed for four more years so i could see where for two years he doesn't have that much leverage to force into trade but boy in two years the pendulum is swinging big time yeah i mean i, I and uh, the the thing that happens now we're seeing it more and like, earlier and earlier with stars right you know it's four years four years is an awfully big pill to swallow but you know, we've seen stars force their way out with two years left. Um, you know, could it? And once that's happening, you know, is it insane to think that it could be three years? It, it, it's it's um, generally speaking, the rule has been if a star on this level, not just like a guy who's a nice player, but a guy who is an All NBA first and second team kind of rainmaker, an MVP candidate kind of player. If that guy wants something to happen, it's probably going to happen. So the question then becomes, at what point does Damian Lillard say, I want something to happen, or I want this particular thing to happen? And I think that the reporting to this point leaves us short of that, but I think it also leaves us a lot closer to that than we've been at any point during his tenure as a Blazer, and I think that has to be uh, you know, fans in Portland and uh, the remaining power brokers in the Blazers organization feel, feel a little bit skittish. Dan Devine, NBA writer for The Ringer, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks, Dan. My pleasure, guys. Take care. There's Dan Devine from The Ringer talking jazz and NBA with us. When we come back, what is trending, all the headlines, stay with us. Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag NBA. All right, Suns have the ball. Beverly gave him a shove. Don't call. 
And now it's out to Chris Paul. He'll put up a three-pointer. Shazam! Chris Paul, you don't guard me, I'll make you pay. Again, an open little 10-footer just right of the lane by Chris Paul, and he nails it down. The Suns have Chris Paul bringing the ball up out of the backcourt. Three-point range, he'll shoot it and get it. Shazam! And the foul. He's knocked down. Chris Paul going on a personal 8-0 run late in the third quarter to break the game open. The Suns blow out the Clippers 130-103. to They're going to the NBA Finals. Yes, we are. Win it in six. He's got the Phoenix yes, Suns sweatshirt on. Yes, we are. You and Devin Booker, man, pop that jersey. Devin Booker, Tom Chambers, Al McCoy. Alvin Adams, Joel Kramer. You name it. Rattle them off. Kevin Johnson. T.R. Dunn. Who are those twins in the 70s? Dick. Van Arsdale. Van Arsdale. There it is. And Tom Van Arsdale. Dick Van Arsdale, the original son. I've spoken to him about players at Utah. As he asked me what I thought. And former jazz man Jay Crowder. Crowder back to the finals for the second year in a row. It's amazing. Once he once he hit a couple threes early, they're going to win. When he, he hits, threes. he's that guy. Sometimes they go, sometimes they don't. But when he's on, most of the time they don't. Bonus weapon. And then Chris Paul, just elevating himself beyond comprehension. What a ball game! I was driving in this morning, listening to Fox First Things First. They put him at number five all-time point guard. If he gets the title, do they bump him up another spot or two? Who does he have to catch? I don't think he would uh, be able to do that right now. They had magic. Oscar? Oscar. Steph Curry? Steph Curry, Isaiah Thomas, and... Chris Paul. Chris Paul. He went for 41 points and 8 assists. He was on that Kawhi Leonard uh, shooting thing. Kawhi, the game before, shot 75%, and this one, Chris Paul, shot 67%. Of course, you meant Paul George. Paul George, yes. Uh, Poor Kawhi. Had to sit and watch. Well, the only thing he is in is poor, right? Exactly. 16 of 24 for Chris Paul. He's lighting it up. Oh, the game of his life. And then bonus, they get uh, Patrick Beverly to snap. Yeah, it's a bad move. I mean, shove him in the back. Just not good under under any circumstance. Just for looking at him. Yeah. Terrence Mann, 2 of 7, 0 of 3. Why? Didn't have a game. (laughs) And you're a big buyout. Nicky Batum, not much. That's Batum. Nine points, four rebounds, two assists. Played 19 minutes. Okay. Yeah. But not a difference maker. Not even close. Reggie Jackson, more of a difference maker. None of them made the difference in this game, obviously. Did it bug you that they fell apart in Game 6? Because yesterday it bugged you the Jazz well, fell apart in Game 6. they fell apart. I mean, I think Chris, Chris Paul versus Terrence Mann? I mean, come on. It was Chris Paul versus nobody. I mean, As it was Patrick, Terrence Mann versus Patrick, nobody. No. Patrick well, wait, wait, wait. i got to be happy. You get all mad if I argue in a separate You're right, Dave. You're right. You're right. No, everything's great. I'm sorry. Patrick Beverly and Cousins. Oh, oh yeah. You take him. I got him. Give him a wide open three. It's a practice were, shot. Do you think they were poo poo heads? Because if you do, I do. <laughs> Honestly, I thought you were going to remember that earlier. No. I'm surprised it took this long into the segment.
Oh, I'm surprised that you just made that up. <laughs> Bucks and Hawks, Game 5 in the East tonight, 6.30 on TNT. Series is tied 2-2. Trey's young status to be determined. Giannis Antetokounmpo, no timetable for his return. He's expected to miss the game tonight. But the good news is when he hyper, hyper extended the knee, the MRI says he didn't tear the ACL. So that's good news because that would have been all the next year too. Yeah, I didn't think he did. I mean, not that I'm a doctor by any stretch, but it seemed like he had enough ability to walk off on his own power. I thought he did. He was in a lot of pain, and that thing bent the wrong direction. And then uh, this is the uh, Dog Bites Man news of the day. Jerry Colangelo, USA Basketball Managing Director, says LeBron's days of representing the U.S. in the Olympic Games are over. Of course, he's 36, and he's passed on consecutive Olympics, so been over for a while. Didn't think he was coming back at 39 for the next one. But three Olympics, a couple of gold medals, and the bronze in 04. And Jerry Colangelo's days of doing that are over, too. There you go. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Show me the money! It is a brand new day, a brand new era. Players can make money off their name, off their image, off their likeness. Endorse products. Sell posters for charity and not get suspended. I think that's a... it's. It's a misnomer. They're going to be able to, above board, make money off their ability. Is this going to end the uh, underground cheating and all that? They'll just still be paying guys twenty five grand just to show up. So if I raise the speed limit to eighty, is that going to reduce speeding? That'll reduce it, but won't eliminate it. If I read exactly, that's my point. So, but I don't think that. I think they're going to be able to make it off their ability. That's that's the key here. So if Zion's in school at Duke, his ability yeah. is going to make him big-time money. Exactly, yes. Quarterbacks on college football teams have higher profile. Maybe that star linebacker is headed to the NFL. Yes. But that, that walk-on, good luck with that kid. Yeah, there's a big difference. You want extremes there. I did. There's a, third, literally 100 guys second in between. Or th- second or third string offensive lineman. Okay, uh, you know we're gonna have Tom Homo on in two hours, and I was thinking about this. Outside of Gobert and Mitchell, I can make an argument that the BYU starting quarterback, especially if he's good, is the third most recognizable athlete. I guess you'd say in our state, he'd be battling the yeah. Joe Ingles show for that honor. And so that kid, if he's good, a la Zach Wilson, can flow. And you could only imagine what uh, Jimmer would have had. Because that, particularly his senior year, obviously, that run that he had, I mean, not only took us, but it literally took the country in the college basketball world by storm. He was doing interviews on, after ball games on national networks that PTI was having him on. I mean, it was unheard of. And so those types, yeah, they're the ones off of their ability are going to cash in. Now, I've already seen plenty of players out there, uh, a BYU basketball player. And, uh, no offense, but no one's going to come rushing to you. Uh, and, but if you're really, really good, then yeah, absolutely. So the top two or three players on college basketball teams 
at least are locally here, are going to get paid? Uh, I don't think they're necessarily the top two or three. If they're really good, and in a given year, just because you're the top two or three, whoever was the top two or three players on the Utes last year, not getting paid. And they weren't necessarily any good. I mean, they're they're okay. But I think if you can, you know, if you can take the world by storm, uh, back in the the glory days of a Van Horn and a uh, Andre Miller, and I believe too that local guys can That's really advantage. get going. If you if you have a personality, a la Reno Mahe, everybody, literally everybody loves Reno. I mean, they named the show after him. They just change it to Raymond. Uh, because he's that type of personality. He's so engaging. You know, Kalani was that way, but he wasn't a player of that stature. Right. But Britton Covey, for example. Local guy, tons of personality. And he's somewhat of an underdog, too, because of his size. That's another plus. Yes. And, and he's as engaging as they come, for sure. Yeah. So if you have that package with the ability... Name recognition, especially now high school football. I mean, your guys—they do just a, such a phenomenal job of those television games, and you so know. you get to know the high school, yeah. the local high yeah. school star yeah. if he stays at a local school. Yes, yes. Right. Which I think I'm hoping that it's a benefit for locals in recruiting, keeping these stars home because that's an—it's a problem. It's not the epidemic as it is in Arizona because Arizona has way more numbers and just by virtual numbers has more talent uh, but we've got it here I wouldn't say it's an epidemic here the way it is to our south but it is still an issue that difference makes guys being drafted in the NFL leaving the state multiple guys this past draft so now a coach is going to be able to say hey come here because I wonder if boosters are going to... You, you're looking at it from a marketability standpoint. This guy can really move the needle. People are going to show up at the store if he signs autographs or pay attention if he does a radio or TV ad endorsing whoever or digital ads, you know, the way things are going. But are schools going to set up pipelines so that everybody who comes, all the starters are getting something? And boosters just do it. Hey, it may not be well, great for my business, but I'm going to make sure that this guy gets... Yeah, but what's legal, though? I think you're starting to get into stuff that isn't going uh, to be permissible. To your, yes, but to your point, eh, the speed limit's 80, but you can do 82 and not get caught. Oh, yeah, sure. That's the I mean, nudge, issue nudge, of every wink, crime wink, ever committed. Up. Right. Is nudge, the punishment nudge. greater than what right. I'm going to get? So, yeah, I mean, that that, that hasn't the, changed. The booster, the, the, the key boosters are like, hey, we're not going to tell the coach or AD. It's just understood. We're going to set something up so that every starter is getting something. Or at some passionate SEC school, Bama, or Florida, LSU, whoever, Hey, let's make sure everybody on the two deep or everybody on the roster. Where's this going? Are they going to win more? Yeah, right. I mean, then what difference does it make? Well, the four or five best and richest SEC schools are trying to make sure they beat each other. You know, Auburn says, hey, let's pay the whole two deep so we beat Alabama because Nick's driving us crazy. Occasionally they will. But they're not going to do it consistently. It's already been established. Florida State quarterback Mackenzie Milton. And Miami quarterback De'Ara King kicked off the NIL era shortly after midnight, signing on as co-founders of Dreamfield. It's a platform based primarily on booking live events for student-athletes, including autograph signings, meet-and-greets, and speaking engagements. So I thought it was NLI. Did they change it to NIL? 
NLI is National Letter of Intent, which is the legal document that binds you to the school you sign with. That's the difference. Name, image, and likeness is the NIL, so that's going to get confusing. Yep. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Obviously, I love Derek to death. We got a great friendship, and we still communicate really, really consistently. He's one of my one of my best friends. So, um, obviously, it'd be a dream uh, to be able to play with him. But uh, you know, I'm a Packer now. So, until that point uh, where we make that decision, I guess we just gotta we'll see what happens. That's Packers wide receiver Devontae Adams. I'm being recruited by Raiders quarterback Derek Carr. Can he be pulled away from Green Bay one day? Fresno State teammates. Saints give All-Pro right tackle Ryan Ramchick a five-year contract extension worth $96 million. Richest deal in NFL history for a right tackle. $60 million of the 96 is guaranteed. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Ozzie whacks one high in the air, deep right center field, rising back towards the wall, and this one is gone. Ozzie Albies with his second home run of the night, and it is 20-2 Atlanta. He's due for a triples binge. The 1-1. Swing a line drive to right toward the corner, chasing Margot. He can't get it. It's one up off the fence. Turner racing for second. He's going for three. The relay throw from Brasso. The head first dive. He is safe. And Turner is hit for the cycle on his birthday. Trey Turner, third cycle of his career. Finished that one off in the sixth inning. Got that one early. Nationals beat Tampa Bay 15-6. And Turner is just the fifth player in Major League history with three cycles, according to the Elias Sports Bureau. Bigger, more shocking comeback in your mind. The Angels scoring seven in the ninth to beat the Yankees 11-8. Or down 7 nothing. Rallying for a 15-7 win as Milwaukee comes back on the Cubs after the Cubs scored seven in the first. But Milwaukee had the comeback by the fourth. Which one's well, more surprising? Uh, the Angels. I mean, Milwaukee's a much better team than the Angels. And I suppose you could argue the Cubs are a much better team than the Yankees. Uh, but the Brewers have been extremely hot right now. They end up winning 15-7 in a day full of massive offensive outbursts. The Braves top everybody by going for 20 and they beat the Mets 20-2. Ozzie Albie, five hits, two homers, padding his numbers in that round. Seven route. ribbies, five for six. So, let's see, two teams had 15, somebody had 20. The White Sox had 13. You had a couple teams with 11 runs. That's a lot of runs. The spin rate, can we put that on the spin rate, or it's just, it's baseball any given day, crazy stuff happens, and there were still teams that didn't hit yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think that just, you never know, man. The pitching gets thin, and away you go. Otani's been hitting a lot of home runs, but not getting a lot of outs, but he got rescued from the loss as the Angels come back to win. Yeah, he was bounced early. Yeah. Knocked out. Salt Lake Bees open a six-game series in Oklahoma City against the Dodgers tonight. Six o'clock on 1280 The Zone. Steve Klauke on the call. What is Trending brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. 
There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call in 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Brian Keel, former BYU and NFL linebacker, will join us at 8.30. Tom Homo at 9 o'clock. What is BYU going to do? Name, image, and likeness. they got a program and a plan in place. Of course, as the rules change and life changes, that may be altered, but... They'll adjust. Tom will explain to Cougar fans what they've got planned at the Y, and that's coming up at 9 o'clock. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Big Show. The Big Show. With Jake Scott and Gordon Monson. Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated. Chris, you covered Danny Ainge very closely there in Boston for a long time. You think he resurfaces in Utah? I do. I don't know what capacity it would be. I would assume at least at first it's in some kind of advisory role. I think Danny was telling the truth where he said, I'm just not looking to work very hard right now. 18 years in Boston, two heart attacks. That takes a lot out of him. I can't imagine a situation where he'd want to step in to be in charge right away. But you never know. Like Danny's competitive. I can't see Danny doing nothing for the rest of his career. I think after recharging the back, batteries for a little while, he'll want to get back into the mix, and the most likely landing spot would seem to be Utah. Catch the Big Show weekdays from 2 to 7, presented by Big O' Tires, the team you trust on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller. DJ and PK in the morning is brought to you by Mark Miller Subaru. Question of the day. What do you think is going to happen now that college athletes can make money off themselves? Above board. Brian says the Pandora box is open. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Great for the athletes, but you just, I guess he had more to say. Great for the athletes, but you have just given every college a free pass on everything, and there's no way to control it. Free pass on everything? What does that mean? Paying athletes, cheating. Wait, it's not cheating anymore. No, it's legal. It's legit. It's above board. And there's no way to control it. Did it feel, do you like all that much was being controlled? No. I don't know that the NCA has any ability to control anything anyway. It's more like golf. It's basically on the honor system. And then somebody who sees it on TV gets tired of it and calls you out on it. I mean, that's looking like it's what happened down in Tempe. Is it particularly one uh, disgruntled ex-employee? And he went Henry Hill and turned media informant. So uh, if you have that, I suppose. But other than that, Go towards what is real. And what is real is this is a massive business anyway. It's a massive money-making business. So let's stop pretending that it's about academics and all this other stuff because it's not. Very few players are choosing schools. Well, they've got just a great engineering program, so I'm going to go there. And I just happen to be a four-star football player. Come on. No one expects that to be the case anyway. Nor has it been the case for a long time. Yeah. So we're just bringing into the real world and out into the open what's already been existing to great levels. And there's a lot of folks out there, well, my team doesn't do it. It's always your team. Yeah, We understand that. I mean, you, you live in a fantasy world. We've all been exposed. If you've been in this business and you've dealt with college athletics to the level that we have for so long, it's your team. Your team does it. That, that 
we know what we what we don't know what's going on, but we know what's going on. And we just sort of just roll with it. And just and the fans, if your team wins, I mean, you you don't care that most of them are the, the lowest form of major that they can have while still keeping eligibility. It just doesn't mean anything to you. Here's easy classes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So it, who cares on that? You know, you act like it, you, you just ignore it. And it's all in the, in the manner of winning games. So I think this is the right thing to do. I think there's a bunch of Pandora's boxes that are going to be out there for sure. There's going to be a bunch of stuff. Uh, and Alabama and Ohio State are going to win 11, 12 games. Shocking. And the rest of you are going to try to, you know, maybe next year. And, and you're going to enjoy the run. And if you should get a South uh, first place that year, good for you. And then you hope you win the game. And if you go to the Rose Bowl, you go nuts. And so I'm not sure what really is going to happen because I think it's unpredictable. But I like that they're going in this direction. And there's going to be a bunch of unintended consequences because some of these players are coming from impoverished backgrounds. And we know when, if you have money, there's going to be all sorts of people that are coming after you. That's the way of the world. That's the way it's always been. If you have it, they'll try to separate you from it. Yeah. Matt Harpering told me a story once of once he made it, and he was a guy who wasn't supposed to make it coming out of high school. And he told me the story of Kremens uh, giving him a scholarship because he was catching heat because the local kid wasn't being offered a scholarship. And Kremens told him, okay, I'll offer you a scholarship, but don't expect to play. And he started all four years. And so, and I think when they had their 50 greatest ACC players, he was named. So he sort of came out of left field, which is ironic because Kremens uh, called him into a meeting after a baseball practice when he was in high school. And so uh, he tells me the story of uh, an ex-teammate calling him up and wanting him to buy a car for him. Yikes. <laughs> There's someone trying to separate Matt from money. Yeah. Matt's got it. Let's see if we can separate and him And he might have even been a rookie. And, you know, who knows? Stockton tells that story of, you know, he's just hoping that he could just uh, stick for a couple years. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm sticking for 20, and he's a Hall of Fame dude. So you really don't know uh, a few guys, you know, Tim Duncan and Shaq and those guys. I mean, they knew, and LeBron, obviously, that they were going to be around. Uh, but could you even argue Kobe would have known that he was going to end up having that career? He Maybe he did, but the rest of us, we weren't so sure. Uh, so, you know, you wonder where's your place. And there's been other guys who are thinking they're going to be all that, and it turns out they're out the league in two or three years. Doesn't happen. Right. So they don't have life-changing money. They get a nice bump in the short term, but it's just a real short term. So Matt doesn't – at the time, Matt probably doesn't know how long is this going to last. He ends up lasting a good long while, but he he wasn't sure maybe. And so somebody's asking him, an ex-teammate, wanting him to buy a car. And that's just like one, one small example. Uh, you know, that's like one-tenth of one percent, if you've got 100% there, of someone coming after you. So Yeah, but how, you can ask any, you're right, yeah. but you can ask any athlete, they all have stories. How is that going to be handled? The people who are on TV who we see who go into that, they, when the topic comes up, they all have stories. Deion Sanders tells stories. Charles Barkley tells stories. You can just go right down the line. Everybody's got stories. 
Right, and and these guys aren't going to get that kind of money, I don't think, um, but they're going to have people coming after them. And, and we know, I've been with multiple NBA teams on the road, and let's just say, you know, there's like a beauty contest out there. And so how's that going to be? There's all sorts of temptation that is going to face these young men. I mean, some women too, for sure, as far as uh, people wanting stuff from you. And they're not really interested in you. They're interested in what you have. Brent says, team chemistry forever changed. Mm. I'm not sure. I, I can't say that. Because I also think you have to have the personality, too. You can't just be this great ball player. You know, like if you would have got Andre Miller early on, the guy was as shy as can be. Absolutely. He worked into it by his senior year, and he chose to stay four. Well, the point is... Not now he wouldn't. Yeah. (laughs) He'd be gone now. Right. So in his early days... He's super quiet. Yeah, it's hard to get him to look at you. You know, and I got to know him. I covered him all four years, obviously. And so by his senior year, you know, he was good to go. But at that point, he's 22 years old versus 18. So what do you get there, uh, some of these kids, in basketball? And in football, you know, you can be there for three, so maybe that doesn't matter as much. Uh, But then on the transfer portal, too, uh, guys coming and going. Uh, what what's going to happen there? Do you like it, Charlie B? When you're transferring, Charlie Brewer. Well, he's going to be here this year. Do so, you really cash in when you transfer? Yeah. And how much do you really bond with your teammates? On on one level, you do. You you know guys and all that, but it's not the same as knowing guys for three and four years. Yeah, I did. Charlie Brewer did not grow up dreaming to be a Ute and <laughs> thinking no this chance. is you know this is what I've got to be. And um, um, that's my dream school. No, he came here uh, because they have an opening. Cam Rising got hurt. And Bentley, who clearly just came here because he thought he could beat out the competition, and we built him up. He had 33 starts in the SEC. Nothing How screams. stupid does that seem now? Nothing screams. The SEC has two tiers, and it doesn't have the depth of the Pac-12 the way that does. Yeah, he was out the he door. A, he wasn't good enough. No, his his record in the SEC was good as long as he wasn't playing ranked teams against the ranked teams, the top four or five teams in the league. He wasn't good enough. And he came to the Pac-12, and it didn't go well at all. So he's a quarterback this year, but can this kid really cash in? I mean, if he walked down the street... Nobody knew know who he was. He'd blend right in. You don't yeah. even know what he looks like. Right. There were no interviews last year. Unintended consequences are guys now going to... We got this for years. We'd ask for a player, especially guys who are good, who we knew weren't taking many classes at the end because they had their degree, and they weren't available. Even though we knew they were. They weren't. And then it's the two times we filled in on the Jim Rome show, hey, we got guys available. Well, now... I mean, do you feel bad for the SIDs now who have to decide who does post-game interviews and who doesn't? Or do they just make everybody available who's requested? Because the access has been getting tightened. But now, if you don't give a guy access to the media, you could be costing them money. Well, that's the problem also. If they have a contract, they're going to be stipulated they have to appear. 
Andrew Brandt's out there saying that there's a program that's a flagship radio station that's apparently going to pursue five athletes throughout the season and pay them 25000 per year. Who the hell's Andrew Grant? He's a sports media. Huh. Uh, he actually teaches at Villanova now, but he's a former executive in the NFL. And so they're just going to go be a uh, weekly appearance to them you like, see like Tom I'm, Brady did in Boston yeah, for, for yeah, sure. like yeah. Joe Ingles here W-E-E-I with and yeah, Brady it's not 20,000 no, no sure no but I think that in a place like say Columbus right that's a pretty good sized city it's about the same size market as as the Utah market and obviously there's massive passion for Ohio State that's just one off you know maybe a Michigan athlete in Detroit would do the same thing a USC quarterback in L.A., could they do it? Yeah, right? For sure. I can give you an exclusive interview after the game, on the field. Boom. This 10-minute spiel that they have. <laughs> and you see sports information people running around trying to put out fires because all the TV people want the immediate reaction with the fans in the background and yep. blah, blah, because it makes for great television. It looks way better yeah, we than see guys it. standing in front and, of and a gray I've wall. I've seen... Sports information people running around just trying to put out fires here on the 40-yard line. They look like they're running for Heisman. They're cutting. They look like Reggie Bush against Fresno State. Uh, they're over. <laughs> nice. I can see that. They're on the left sideline. Yeah. They're cutting back to the middle field. They're at the right sideline. Yeah. Hey, that guy in the end zone's got a camera. And then they scream at some sap who's doing it. Meanwhile, there's three other stations right over there. Yep. I mean, I got it that one year. But at, at, oh, the, at Vegas, the Vegas Bowl, Matt Ballman of all people, Matt Ballman, local guy, Skyline yeah. guy, if I yes. remember right. And so I'm working right. for Channel Two back in the old days when they valued me, and I'm on the field giving an doing an interview, and it got cut off after the Vegas Bowl. Matt's got to go. The, <laughs> season's over, career over. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that literally was his last interview, I would think. He's a good college player, but yeah. he didn't have the um, the measurables to be a pro. No. If he'd been three inches taller and his arms had been five inches longer, he probably would have gone to the NFL and... And run and all and, that. And he played yeah, right. linebacker for BYU, one of Broncos' gutty guys that he mm-hmm. made a living off of and cashed it in to $3.2 million. They were in the Vegas Bowl and they won, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't remember which one. But yeah, they won, and so everybody's out on the field. Uh, it might have been the uh, game where Max Hall's mother, you baited him <laughs> I did what <laughs> she got right in my face <laughs> I told that to the Utah coaches they couldn't believe it <laughs> yeah this is on the field in Vegas and then we have the camera and it's dark at that point so the light's shining and I'm just hunt- I got the microphone I'm hunting for interviews and uh, and I can remember I had Matt Ballman and sports information came up and just Cut it off. He's got, as you said, he's got to go. And I'm like, <laughs> where? Where? <laughs> turn, <laughs> turn your shoulder pads. It's the Christmas. You need them now. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's everybody else. I mean, there's hundreds of people out on the field. I know, but they're know, getting they're their marching orders from the coaches, and yeah, and, and all that's got to change. It. And the thing is, then the technology, fine. you know, the big camera and the TV stations. But now, who knows who's trying to make money off TikTok and shooting video on their phone? It's not going to be as obvious. You got a 30 pound camera on someone's shoulder and a two person crew. How do you. Yeah, that'll be real interesting. And we can ask Tom about that in an hour and a half. What's it going to be? Suppose somebody 
Jaron Hall has a deal with Channel 2, Channel 5, Channel 4, Channel 13. I don't think I left out anybody, right? The Zone Sports Network. Okay, us too, yeah. And so you do an, an, an exclusive, for, before you go in, and then nine times out of ten they have the quarterback in the post game, uh, and they sit down and you know there's a ten-minute cooling off. But he says, no. I this ten minute cooling off period. I mean, that's just sort of created. I mean, it's not any. Big so the emotion's rule. gone, and somebody doesn't say something crazy into a camera that everybody's got to answer for. Theoretically, hopefully, and yeah, but then Max still said what he said. Right. Ten minutes um, later, some people are still hot. Yeah, and, and and they don't enforce that rule on the field after wins, but they try to enforce it after losses. In the before times when we did on field interviews. Yeah, and going forward here, you know, who knows what they're going to even do. Is they going to do Zoom stuff? I mean, Scotty was telling me he heard BYU was going to be doing Zoom stuff in the season. I mean, that's their prerogative because then they can really, really control everything. Oh, they just don't let you ask a question. Well, but you can't even go down on the field. Right. So, you're not. yeah, they can do that. But, I mean, that, that guarantees the 10, 15, whatever minute cooling off period it is. Uh, so, um, because they do it reverse, Utah lets the players go first, and usually BYU has the coach go first. And so, their choice. I mean, I don't know, no rhyme or reason. They just that's the way they do it. So Kyle usually, uh, depending on what's going on, would shower and and then then come in after the players and and do his thing. And he's he's so far along now, he's not going to say anything that's going to get himself in trouble. He's been doing this for years and years. He's a master at it, but. Uh, and then what about what what about the coaches, man? What about I guess they can regulate them more, but who's to say we don't have somebody who has an exclusive deal with Morgan Scally? Because if you're going to let a player to do it, and, mm-hmm. and you have no power over a player or some uh, local kid who got hired as uh, the defensive back coach. And he's, you know, he's making good money for a guy on the street, but he's not making big time money. And so, what would happen there? And I got you right after the game. How's how's that going to be? There's a bunch of unknowns that just make the whole situation to me fascinating. Although I think in the bottom line is I'm not really sure what's going to make a difference in terms of winning and losing. And it goes back to like I said last week or earlier this week with the Jazz. The average fan couldn't care less, I think, anyway, who's calling the shots. As long as the shots are, that are being called are good. Does it matter to Joe Blow Jazz fan if it's Dennis Lindsay, Justin Zanuck, I think you're the pretty, man in the moon? I think you're pretty hardcore at that point. That when you start to identify with managers and root for uh, management, I mean, coach, manager, general manager, whatever, you got to be pretty hardcore to say, Oh, this guy's good and this guy's not. I mean, you really got to be into it. Yeah, you're not the so average jazz who fan. Who matters? What matters? It, it, what matters rather than who? And and for the fan, do I care if the quarterback's getting fifty thousand dollars? No, I care if the quarterback played well and threw for three hundred fifty yards and four touchdowns. We've already seen that in the NFL, right? <laughs> One quarterback's making thirty million, another's making thirteen million. But who gets into the end zone at the end of the game and wins it? Because most NFL games come down to a couple possessions at the end of the game anyway. Stay close, win it in the fourth quarter. Do what you can to win. Does the, the, what I mean, you, people who are listening to us, they're fans. 
right? 99% of them are fans of whatever team you're a fan of. And do you care if anybody's getting any money? And do you think it's going to make a difference? Is now all of a sudden, is Utah going to become the beast of the Pac-12? Who does it really move the needle for and who does it reinforce what already exists? Well, if you're in L.A., you're going to have more money, and they're going to be able to pay players. And, okay, well, SC's already been good for decades. So are we just moving the bag back a foot? Yeah. Because four or five SEC teams are going to have more money than everybody else, as opposed to right now when four or five SEC teams have yeah, more money than everybody else? Yeah, but they shouldn't be involved with teams having more money. They're not supposed they're boost, to. They're not supposed to, and I'm not convinced that'll happen. But even if, the, even if officially people don't get involved, like Alabama boosters and Florida boosters, now the game is played. They'll just go off to the side and take care of it themselves. And they'll outspend Vanderbilt boosters, and nothing will change. And I don't think there's a win-at-all-cost passion in the Pac-12. There never has been. So what's it going to be? Carroll and USC? Well, when Oregon gets it, it stands out. Well, yeah, there's going to be one or two. I said Pac-12. Right. As a conference, like you were saying. I mean, is Oregon State all of a sudden just going to go bonkers? No. Washington State's not doing it either. I mean, they'll, they'll do what they do. But you're always going to be behind the able the two schools in the desert. I mean, there's really no passion for that. I mean, they have a passion in Tucson for softball and basketball. It's a much smaller scale. But football? But again, the passion tends to follow the teams that win. So even if you go off into the Olympic sports and start discussing baseball or softball or volleyball or whatever, the money is going to follow the teams that win. So the teams that win already have an advantage. But just barely. Yeah. The Devils, years ago, beat Notre Dame on a Saturday. They moved to like 8-1. and They beat Notre Dame. And it was a 1-30 game. The prime time. And I can remember being so excited, and I go to the gym on Monday, and it was two hours before they even mentioned it, because it was all about the Cardinals. Well, when they beat somebody bigger than Notre Dame. (laughs) Okay, that would be the Cowboys. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) So what's going to change there? I'm not sure, and I'm all for these kids getting cash. Great. And I'm all for everybody getting cash. But I think there's a lot to be said change? for the, a lot to be said for the move the bag back. And maybe somebody gets an idea and gets ahead of the curve and gets a boost out of it. But okay. that has also okay. already happened, right? Gonzaga basketball and Boise State football have figured something out and elevated themselves. So there's always somebody figuring something out and elevating themselves. Yeah, they get good players. Right. And so somebody somewhere may figure, hey, we're going to do this, and all these, all these kids are going to make money off TikTok. Here we go. TikTok's it for you, huh? I just had someone explain to me how a 20-year-old was making a ton of money <laughs> off TikTok. It was obvious. Yeah. <laughs> there was a frame of reference. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they will. I mean, you and I aren't, aren't going to do it, I don't think, unless someone... Comes in and says, this is how we're going to do it. And then we go do it. Oh, we're going to get you guys on TikTok. That'll be fun. <laughs> I don't, the problem is I don't think our audience is I will, on TikTok. No, no, no. I will sign up for TikTok. I'm not on TikTok myself just to get you two on it. So let's make it happen. 
I run the other way from social media. I don't think it's real, but the cash that's available is real for some who are involved in it, and good for them. Yep. All right, DJ PK, we will run all of this past Tom Homo. He's going to join us at 9 o'clock. We'll see where this is going. Brian Keel will be here at 8.30. A local guy who stayed local, who was good enough to go to the NFL. Did he come along 20 years too early? We'll talk with Brian coming up at 8.30. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the zone and the zone sports network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone. We are brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. SNS Roofing is your locally owned roof repair experts. For a free quote and for all your roofing needs, call SNS Roofing. How's the reaction from the Valley of the Sun? Oh my gosh, I've seen stuff of them going to the airport. Of course, they're all sweating at 2 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Still 101. Yeah, they were they were flocking Sky Harbor. The Suns are the original team. They, they are. They got there in the late 60s. Yeah. Cardinals didn't show up until the 80s. And they're not a transfer team or relocation. How would you phrase right. that? Well, the, the Cardinals moved in from St. Louis. Yeah. And have been in Chicago, vagabond team, bouncing around. Right. right. Whereas the Diamondbacks... And the Suns were expansion teams, but the Suns got there first. Had yeah, so 15, they were the first love. Had 15 years to yeah, they build were, things up. They were the link to the big time. Uh, more than that. I mean, you mean 15. I mean, they had close to 20. I mean, the they Cardinals like, moving in 84? I thought the Suns started in 69, but I could be wrong. Oh, I mean, I, I thought it was like you on. 67, 68. Ah. But anyway, whatever. Uh, your point is the same. Uh, so, yeah, and then Dimebacks came along in what, uh, 98, I think? Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're the first love. And so there's a lot of folks there that have gone through a lot with them. I mean, they sucked for 10. I mean, they won 16 games two years ago. You realize that? That's over an 82-game season. They won like yeah. 16 games. And they kept promising Devin Booker, we'll 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 get there, we'll get there, we'll get there. Well, when they get there, they obliterated every step you're supposed to take. Yep. Brought in Chris Paul, and to a lesser degree, Jay Crowder, who had paid their dues other places, and that gave them veteran playoff experience, and then add water and stir. And nope. don't forget Monty Williams, too. I think you got to put yeah, him in that, that category. I mean, that guy's been through a lot, lost his wife in a, in a traffic accident. Uh... And from what I understand, phenomenal human being. Remember a guy named Ryan Anderson played at Cal. Play it was a, a like a six ten uh, shooter. Yep. And uh, his longtime girlfriend may have been his fiance. Uh, took her own life. Monty Williams went over and literally held Ryan Anderson in his arms the whole night. And then Paul Westfall, who was uh, one of the most famous sons that they had, and player and coach, obviously. Uh, he died here uh, within the last year, I believe, 
and I saw a thing from Paul's wife, uh, and she didn't really know Monty uh, because Paul was living in Scottsdale. Uh, he, uh, he said, I'll be here. I texted her at, at uh, like 6.30 in the morning. I'll be over at 8 and was there and said, okay, I got to do this, this, and this. I'll be back at 4.30 and was there. So, And the eulogy he gave uh, for his wife when his wife was killed by a negligent driver was just off the charts, man. <laughs> so this guy, when you're talking character, he's right at the top of the list. And uh, what a man from what I understand. And so, yeah, this is a phenomenal story. So the Valley is just rallying around these guys, much like we would do here. Yep. Cinderella season, out of nowhere, breaking the mold. Yeah, 16 And as much as we sit here and say everything opened up for the Jazz, everybody was injured, and this was the year, the Jazz were 0-3 against these guys in a regular season. Would they have taken them down if they'd gotten the playoff series with them? Yeah, well, we'll never know. I wish we did know. Yeah. Uh, because that would have meant they would have been in the conference final. Uh, uh, I'm a homer here, but I like their chances, even though they did go 0-3. Maybe they're they're the ultimate. If they should win this, and if Antetokounmpo and or Trey Young is going to be out, obviously that's going to make a huge difference in the favor of the Suns. And so maybe in a week and a half, if they get these four wins, this can be the one that stands up and says, nobody believed in us. And actually have it be the closest to accurate in terms of 100% that it's ever been. Team that's won 16 games two years ago? Get out of town, man. Worst to first happens in the NFL. It's not really an NBA thing. But the Suns, you know, once or twice a decade, there's a team that doesn't fit the mold of an NBA champ. And they're not there yet. Right. But they would be the 2011 Mavericks. Maybe even more so. I don't know, because they won 16 games two years ago. The 4 Pistons? And they did not make the playoff last year. That's highly, I'd say maybe highly, the Celtics, when they added uh, those guys, uh, Ray Allen and Garnett, you know, what were they the year before? I don't even know. I, I, don't, I, I don't know either. So maybe that might be something. But it, if you even come close to liking the NBA, I think this has got to be a feel-good story. And Chris Paul at 36, bouncing around, always injured at the most inopportune times. Knock on wood that it doesn't happen in the finals. Celtics are a good call by you. 24-58. and 58. And then they make all the moves, and Garnett's the defensive player of the year, and Ainge's the executive of the year. <laughs> Paul Pierce is the finals MVP, and they got the title. From one year to the next, huh? Right. Yeah. From 24 wins to 66 wins. And they had eight more wins than the Suns had two years ago. And last year, you can't sort of really count that. And they, the big thing is they went 8 0 in the bubble. I remember people. Just oh, that was going a big deal. That. Yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. Uh, they still didn't make it. Uh, but I, I guess it was a big deal. But it's kind of, it was a screwy deal. Well, but maybe uh, it was a big deal. Quinn Snyder has said, and some of the players have alluded to it too, that that layoff was like an offseason. And. Oh, we had Kenny Smith on the air. Kenny Smith, another one, yes. So I I think there's consensus around the NBA that that, as much as it was dead time to all of us because there were no games and everything just stopped, you know, behind the scenes, if you had a hoop and you needed to learn to go left and launch a jumper 
well, there's plenty of time to go left to launch a jumper. So there was an off-season to study film and skill improvement and all that stuff. Yeah, so if you were a third-year player when you got to the bubble, you were a fourth-year player. Right. That was Kenny Smith's uh, statement on the air. Uh, first time I had really thought about it, but he brought that point home. And now the Suns are bringing time. it home. And it, so... Backing up his take. But th- does that make them a fifth-year player if you're a fourth-year player or just an extension of the fourth year? I'm not sure. Don't take it too far. Just take the bigger <laughs> point. Don't pull a me. <laughs> Get lost in the weeds. And I hope Chris Paul doesn't pull a hammy. I mean, I got to right. admit, I would like to see them win. But I got family. As my sisters were and my wife were just exchanging texts last night after, well, towards the end when it was obvious they were going to win because uh, oh, I told you guys in the break. They, my one sister lived there for 50 years and the other is approaching 45 and my wife's a native uh, of it. I wish my father was alive. Obviously, I wish him he was alive on many different uh, accounts, but he always hated the local teams. And anytime the local teams won, I'd just razz him as if I was just the most diehard fan of all time. You get all giddy? This is the greatest thing. Are you fired up? This is great. Yeah, like, you know, when the... Barkley thing was when they went to the finals. They've only gone to the finals twice, so there hadn't been a whole lot of times. But so basically, it was the Barkley. There's only been once, and I was like the biggest Suns fan, and, and we would talk after the games, and I just do it just to bug them. I mean, I got the Suns sweatshirt on now. I had to go uh, rummaging to yeah, find it, and it was all dusty. <laughs> I know I've got this somewhere, and I'm not even sure it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> it fits you well. I'll give you that. Uh, yeah, I looked at it. I thought, oh, man, this might be a little too tight. <laughs> it literally had dust on it. Suns lost in six to the Celtics in 1976, and they lost in six to the Bulls in 93. Yeah, 93 or 76, it wasn't uh, it wasn't applicable for us with the, with Phoenix. Uh, but in 93, certainly it was. Actually, I was living in California at the time. You were right about the 20 years, by the way. It was uh, the 68-69 season, which is why we had the difference on the Suns and when they started. But the the Cardinals moved there. It looks like they moved there in 88. I yeah. thought it was 84. So 88, that gives them two full decades to get there and build all that love. And now they're feeling right. it. Right. And they had a pretty good team during those times. They just can never get over them. The parallels between the Jazz and the Suns, for me personally, having lived in both communities and still have a heavy presence in the Phoenix area, even though I've lived here for 28 years now, I see so many similarities. Because if they would have won on the road, you can bet our airport would have been jammed. They did jam it after that yeah. shot in Houston. Right. So, yeah. And so they happen to win on the road this time. We have video in the Channel 2 archives you dig out. Fox out at the airport in the middle of the night with 10,000 people over the executive terminal. Great. Hornacek busting Stockton's chops as they leave in cars. John Stockton is in this car. And Stockton's down low trying to hide from everybody. Heard that story. No change there. You're consistent. Yeah, I I was in Houston, so I didn't get to see any of this, but I heard all about it. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, and I wonder if, if people around here, if, do they care? Are they jealous? Do they hate Chris Paul? I wonder what the mood of our area is towards the Suns going to the finals. I don't have a good read on it. I Obviously, if it was the Lakers, we've all got tremendous reads on it. <laughs> okay, so my assumption is it was a shrug of the shoulders here. So during this, I got a text from a regular listener of ours that says this. 
I hate the Suns. I'm it wrong. It sucks they are going to win the title before the Jazz. The Clippers are brick city, and they couldn't shoot a lick. Uh, yeah, I, I have a real hard time cracking on the Clippers with three guys of the rotation not playing. But and he's then, not a fan of the Suns. So okay, so, it's just a, so there's some it's jealousy. Just a jealousy. It's, yeah. it's a jealousy factor, correct. But what, what I, level is that? Uh, do you view the Suns as the because I view them the very similar in the franchises. Uh, the the only difference is they had ownership that sucked for ten years, and somehow he stumbled into something. Well, the the parallels were obvious until the last decade, and then they've kind of veered off and gone. And, but if they get their title, you'll take ten years of sucking. Heck of a trade, huh? Yeah. Ten years of sucking, but at the end of that, uh, what's not the end of the rainbow? What would it be? At the end of that dark cloud, there is a rainbow. Well, it, it, the pot title. of gold, Larry O'Brien Trophy, and Sarver gets it. I know. <laughs> if, if he gets it, he gets it after just mismanaging the thing left and right, and somehow you're. Did you luck into it? I mean, I don't. I have a hard time thinking teams luck into titles. But the previous five years, they averaged about 23, 24 wins a year. I mean, they were nearly a 60-loss team for five straight years. Not quite, but nearly. That's a lot. That's a lot of losing. A 60 wins is a massive number. 60 losses is a massive number. And even when they had the number one pick, it was viewed they screwed that up. Now it's turning out they didn't screw it up that bad. Because Aiton's coming into his own. I was so glad to see... I'm screaming at the TV about friggin' time <laughs> early on when they were going to him. So he's coming to his own, and he's chased away a lot of ghosts. He's making a lot of winning plays. Yeah, you, you got to give a, him his He due. set up a Crowder three right before the half with an offensive rebound, and that wasn't uh, I'm the only guy here and the rebound falls to me. There's a lot of that going on because teams are worried about transition and giving up fast breaks, but he, he was in a crowd of like four or five guys, and he wrestled the ball away from everybody. That was a Old-school, tough guy rebound. He threw it to Booker, and Booker hit Crowder for three. He's making winning plays. And how about Chris Paul? Is he more likable now? No. He, he, no? No. He's a bleep. Chris Paul? <laughs> yeah. Chris Paul, at the end of the third quarter, he drives the hoop, gets a nice bucket. It's when he's on that little personal 8-0 run that really blew the game open. Give him credit for blowing the game open. And he goes out of bounds. When he runs up court, he's looking to create contact with Cousins. Now, Cousins helps him out with a little flare. Not throwing the elbow, but he kind of flare it. And so, Chris Paul goes down. He totally flopped. I mean, you can hate all the soccer floppers because they flop, and it's not fun to watch. But he flopped. And the camera so overhead. you're isolating a play. He's, but he's famous for this. <laughs> he's famous for this. And they, they take his over what? And he's lying on the ground, and he's smiling at his teammates like, I got him. No, I think I think Chris Paul's Chris a classic. Chris Paul's a bleep. Get out of town. That's an out-of-town guy taking a shot at somebody who if he's Chris never going to have to be held accountable if for. If Chris Paul is on your team, you like him. If he's not on your team, you don't like him. And all of our guys, no matter what team they're on, they're the greatest guys ever, and we love every one of them. That's not true, and you know it. <laughs> come on. Oh, come on. We were just talking about Stockton two minutes ago. Now. I'm talking about now. Chris Paul's a bleep. Chris Paul, you know what he's going to be soon? A champion. Yeah, he's four wins away. It's right there. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.
Coming up, Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director in one hour. Name, image, likeness, players getting paid. How's this going to change the competitive playing field? How BYU is going to handle this with their athletes? We'll talk with Tom Homo at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. A reminder, Top 60 and 60 is back in the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness here on the Zone Sports Network. That's dated. Next year we're going to do the highest 60 paid college players. They'll do theirs and then we'll add that one in. Nice. (laughs) Who should be paid the most? Yach will just have uh, theme songs for it, and they'll just all be about money. Yeah, and then we'll get the coach's comments. Well, yeah, man, he's a great marketer. (laughs) (laughs) I was shocked by this guy's ability to cash in, but he's he's got a nose for the ball on defense and a nose for cash off the field. Show me the money! That's what it's going to be, man. Who's, if you go to your college and your college goes 1 in 10 and you make $250,000, who gives a crap? <laughs> so we've been talking about this during the 7 o'clock hour. Name, image, and likeness. July 1st. New rules. Today's July See, 1st. You went NIL. It's Here we are. NLI. I'm all confused. Name, image, and likeness. Right. You went NIL. Just go with the soccer term. Nil. And now they're going, but before it was NIL. This wasn't an issue in my mind 90 minutes ago. But now I'm going to be all screwed up. (laughs) You're introducing doubt and confusion into my brain. I was doing fine. Pay just cash. They're getting cash. See, there's Yock. He's got a movie clip. He's got a song. Keep them coming, Yock. There's more. So we got a lot of reaction flowing in on Twitter of people, you know, how is this going to go? What is going to change? This guy at SLC Bass, in the short term, the stars from the Blue Bloods will make a lot of money, even more than they were making under the table. Long term, the divide of the haves and the have-nots is just going to get larger. Well, it's going to get larger either way. How's that changing? I, I, I really struggle to see any difference. Outside of kids, a few select kids having money. Money! I'm, I'm not sure I see a big difference. I think there's going to be a way for it to be more than a few select kids at the biggest, richest schools. At our schools, I can see why you say, you know, BYU, Utah, Utah State, Wasatch Front here. I can see why you say... A few select kids. I'm talking about money that that makes it. $10,000 doesn't make a difference. What will make a difference in recruiting? Because that will be the number that people will go for. Like 50 grand a year. So is Oregon or USC, they're seen as the big money teams in the Pac-12, are they going to pay enough to change anything? Or they're already they beating need? everybody yeah. for everybody anyway. So you go to so the two schools that are already doing what it. Is that the, doesn't change anything. What is the break for the fat past few decades and looks like the break going forward is the limit on scholarships. Once they get their 25, they're done. If they get the wrong guys, if the guys leave early, if their guys get hurt, all the stuff that can happen, it keeps them off the field. Oh, they can cut guys. They already do, right? Yeah. The transfer rules are just an accelerated trend that was already there. Guys who aren't good enough, I want to play. 
We used to joke every Maybe night that's on senior night with the Utes in basketball. They'd honor yep. the seniors, and then we would say, let's come back in a month and, and honor, honor the, the guys sophomores who were going to get run, run off. Because yeah. you knew who he was going to run off every single year. And, they, and the players used to, they would tell me, getting that dreaded call to come down and see him. That's like, turn in your playbook uh, around uh, in, in August in the NFL. And they would make that long walk on the concourse to his office, and it would be a sad thing because they were going to get run. I mean, there was one time he wanted a scholarship. Remember the year that uh, they lost in this building to BYU in a conference tournament by like 30? Yeah. And then he makes the ski team comment. Yeah. Well, there was a kid down from Hurricane that he wanted to run off. And they lost by 30, and he was the one kid in the entire rosters for both teams who didn't play. He was gone. He was going to cut him. Gone. So what's yeah. changing there? Junior says big schools and big donors will still be getting most of the big talent. I honestly don't think it will change the local schools much. I don't either. And by local schools, that's nationally. Whatever local you're in. So it's not going to matter to the middle of the pack. But if it matters to the top of the pack, they're already the top of the pack. <laughs> so how does it matter? So all that changes then is the money is in a, under the table and it flows a little more freely. That's a change. I think there's going to be some negative consequences too. We had people already say team chemistry. There's going to be more jealousy. That guy's getting paid and I'm not. Well, then go out and be better. Maybe it motivates you to be better. I, I do think there's an opportunity, and this is what I'm maybe this is what I'm hoping for, for local guys to start building your brand in high school. Totally doable. That may not sound right to some of you people. I'm 100 percent on board with that. I think without question that is a possibility. Now, how good people are at cashing in on that, I don't know. But it's there. It's there for the taking if you can do it. In this community. Our local uh, newspaper websites, uh, you guys, well, I guess it's you guys, Dave Fox and Lemma and Frank and Tony. I mean, you guys do a, not you, but they do a great job on the high school stuff. I mean, they're way in it. You can tell Fox is having the time of his life. He is. I mean, he just it's absolutely a, loves doing it. It's a lot right? of it's a lot yeah. of work. I don't think people understand the work he's spending in the offseason to line up games and get people to move games to Thursdays. Right. But doing two games a week. And I think it works out to with the playoffs, there's some three weeks at the end. So I, I don't know what the package is exactly. 29, 30 games, somewhere in there. So it's great stuff. Right. And you tell the, all those guys that I just named, love doing it. To them, it might as well be the Fiesta Bowl or what have you. Yeah. I mean, they put so much energy. They love doing it. Monday Night Football. And, and Yeah, and they build these kids up. And, and, you know, some of them get to go on to bigger and better things, but the majority of them, that's it. Right. And so interview these kids. If, if I'm parents or coaches, I'm telling these kids, show a bunch of personality, man, because you could start right uh, the, now. And the kids are already doing it. They've got at it. 16 years old. They're doing the introductions and the little player card things. And, and Dave would know the name of the player. I can't. I think it was a Harriman High kid about three years ago. And he did something goofy in his introduction. And, and Dave knew it was coming because Adam and Jake were going out and shooting him on Monday. So they knew it was happening. But I don't think the other guys on the broadcast knew. I think he surprised him with the first one. And the personality made everybody laugh. And right away, it's what you always talk about, separation. 
How do you stand out from the crowd? And the other high school players were watching because in the ensuing weeks, they were all doing the same thing. And if you're good enough, and then if you stay local, you can have a leg up and people will know you. So I'm, I'm probably hoping more than thinking that it helps keep the kids home because the reality is here, uh, these, Too many good kids, these are kids go off to Oregon, it does nothing for me. I want to see these star kids stay here and build it up, and so maybe that can help them. And they get. And if you got somebody who's on, now we're talking about a select few here. I mean, just just not that many kids, but the the, the ones that seem to leave seem to be difference makers. And we'll see what this that's dark kid Oregon, does down at SC now as the quarterback. Yeah, that's all Oregon can be bothered with is the difference makers. There's, <laughs> some, not, there's a lot to be said for that. They're yeah. not looking for role guys. Their role guys right. will be, we're trying to get a difference maker, and we missed by a little bit. If we hit, we get a difference maker. If we miss by a little bit, we get a solid role guy. And if we miss by a lot, we get the guy who we're going to tell to transfer, and he'll want to transfer anyway because he's not going to play. Yeah. I mean, if anything's changed since the Majerus era, it's that kids want to play so much that if they're not playing, they're willing to transfer, and I don't know if they have to be forced out the way they had to. They used to I be. agree with that. The, the, yeah. There's a little more willingness well, on a part Nicola of the player. Nikola wasn't forced out at Washington. Right. Yeah. And he wanted to be with his brother and uh, with some family thing, I guess. I'm not sure the whole details, but he wanted to be down there, and then Samson goes down there, and so now they're going to finish out – for Samson, anyway, uh, Puka's still got at least a couple years uh, because last year didn't count and all that stuff. So, yeah, I think that that's the case. But I'm hoping that it keeps that the keeps more kids in state. Last week, the Devils they need a quarterback, right? They they got they got to go recruit one. They've got a big hole. Uh, they haven't recruited one for a couple years, and so there's a local kid from the East Valley. Right, and he'd committed to Florida State, but then some IMG kid committed to Florida State, so he backed off his commitment, uh, and so now he's on the market, and they're getting all excited. He's taking unofficial visits left and right, and he's just down the street. Well, what the hell does he do last week? He commits to West Virginia. <laughs> West Virginia, yeah. come on now, yeah, Morgan West Virginia. Town. I mean, I can live with the quarterback from Iowa State. I can live with the quarterback from Oklahoma. I can live with the quarterback from SC. You get that. Yeah. <laughs> but West Virginia, come on. And those are what? all Phoenix kids. Morgantown. Yeah. You're going to Morgantown from Tim- I'd rather he yeah. go to Allentown. They burn okay, couches but the, for fun over The there. 2021 recruiting class, and this is the one with uh, You didn't Jack. go to 24-7, did you? I did. <laughs> 15. <laughs> Breaking news. You Thank you. That website. <laughs> How did we do the show back in the days? Oh, we did it. We got through it. This is different. Top four kids in the state, three went to Oregon, one went to USC. Top yeah. 12 kids in the state, six in state, six out. And the next three went to Stanford, Oregon State, and Oregon State. And if I'm the Utes and the Cougars and the Aggies and Weber State, I use that as a way to help keep these kids in by saying guys you can make cash here because you already have a name here because if you're good enough to go to Oregon or Stanford you already have a name and I, I'm not a huge high school football follower by any stretch 
No, but you're casual. I follow and, the, well, my, my wife works at a high school, so follow that. And they and they are a really and, good football program. And, at Corner Canyon. Yeah. So I happen. <laughs> but to also, know, you know the, know the local, there. you know the local coaches and the recruiting stuff, so you hear the yeah. names, and that's how. But they've really got to stand out for me to know you. Right. And so if I know you, my point is, then there's a whole lot of other people who know you. And, and you're getting identified. All these by, businesses know you. Siegfried and Jensen's going to know who you are. Yeah. And you're getting identified by. The coaches, both college and high school, that's how on the broadcast when they're pumping guys up, they're pumping them up because the coaches told them. And the guys you're reading about at the Trib or D-News, you know, the people who are covering high schools for them, same deal. So you're going to get identified if you're 16 and you're really good. Everybody's going to know, and the word is flowing from the experts to the media. My logic makes sense. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Because, because if can, those guys think this is my path to the NFL is going to school X, is Jackson Dart still going to take off for USC? Is Oregon still going to come in and scoop up the top linemen? I don't know, but I think it will. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Tom Holmo's coming up in half an hour. Brian Keel, former BYU and NFL linebacker who went through all of this in the before times will join us next to tell us what it's going to look like for players going forward. Stay with us. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. There are a couple of reasons that I didn't become a doctor. Same reasons you what, didn't become what? a paleontologist. Why do you crack a smile and well, then make just, a joke? I'm just saying like, yeah, there's a couple of reasons I wasn't a lawyer. Number one, the LSAT scared me. Number two, I thought I'd fail miserably. And number three, I didn't think I was smart enough. So yeah, there are just a couple of reasons why I didn't become a lawyer. Can I make a point without you attacking me? I'm not attacking you. Like you've never talked about wanting to be a doctor before. To me, this seems like you were just right on the cusp of going to medical school and then just these one or two little things came up and made you think, no, I'm not going to do that. Doctor. 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 Can you not attack me? You know, it bugs me when you do that. Doctor. 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 Stop playing that. And doctor. Well, we miss anyone? Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Time to welcome back Brian Keel to the show, former BYU and NFL linebacker. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought currently, and that's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Brian, good morning. Good morning. How y'all doing? Brian, we're doing well. You know, at different times, I had a conversation with Ron Boone where he told me he was born 20 years too early when he saw the money flowing in the NBA. And then Thurl <laughs> Bailey, who was born 20 years later, said, I was born 20 years too early. Are you about to tell us you were born 20 years too early? Uh, that'll, that will always be true. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. I think everybody's right when they say that. You're right. It's always true. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes. So you are a local guy. You've always been a local guy. You came up through the ranks and played at Brighton, and you were a great player, played in college, played in the NFL. Uh, What do you think of now with this idea of these kids being able to get paid as far as the local kid being able to cash in? And you've always had a very good personality and very talkative and all that stuff, and you had the talent to back it up. I'm sort of thinking that maybe it helps – kid that colleges keep these better high-end kids that are going running off to Stanford and Oregon or SC or what have you because you could literally start building your brand as a 16 year old 
Am I just maybe hoping and wishing, but there's not some reality there? Put yourself in that position because if you were 16 now and with the talent that you had, this would be you. Yeah, I, I mean, so there's there's so much going on here. I'm, first of all, it's about time, in my opinion. Um, I think it's – when you really look at it just from a, a legal standpoint and from a, from a free market freedom standpoint, I mean, it's just ridiculous that it's taken this long. Um, it's just – it's kind of a joke that you look at the type of dollars – the NCAA is bringing in with commissioners and, and you know, different top level people. And then, and then you got these kids who are creating that value and, and they're, you know, been told for a hundred years and, Oh no, no, you, you can't make any money off of, off of your talent, off of your name, off of your own name, your own picture. You can't make, I mean, it's just crazy. So I, I you know, I applaud that they finally, that it's finally happening. And yeah, the, the landscape is going to be very different. And honestly, I, I'm interested to see how it shakes out. Um, and, and what you just alluded to, I, I hope that's the case. I, I don't know that I could confidently say that that, that will be the case. Um, but I hope that is the case. I hope that it gives schools a, a, another tool in their arsenal to stay competitive with, with the, the big boys, if you will, um, in terms of recruiting and and ho- hopefully, because ultimately, what you want is, is you want you want equality, you want parity. That's what makes the game interesting. If it, if it's a foregone conclusion, who's going to win? It's not as fun. It's not as exciting. Uh, it's not as interesting. So hopefully, there's th- th- this this adds to that parity, and and it, and it makes the game more level, uh, the playing field more level. I, I hope that's the case, and I hope these kids, you know, start to, to cash in. Okay, but we're seeing the elite high school football players in Utah go into Oregon year after year, and USC comes in and gets the quarterback Jackson Dart out of Corner Canyon. And the whole Pac-12's here. Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford certainly. Are kids still going to have stars in their eyes? Are they going to have a, a – would you have had a business mentality at 16, 17, thinking I'm known here, I can elevate myself even more here, it is literally worth it to me to stay here, and will it change that kind of balance of power with recruiting kids in the state of Utah? Yes, so I, I think that it will help certain positions and certain players to do exactly what you want, to, to be able to maximize their earning potential. And, you know, if you go across the country to where you're not a known commodity, you're not necessarily, especially early on, um, you're not going to have the same leverage and earning potential that you would staying local. That's just a fact. Um, and, 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 and on top of that, you go, you go across the country or you go, you know, not necessarily across the country, but, you know, out west to um, one of these Pac-12 schools, you're, the, the market is more saturated. And you're now fighting in terms of, of, of your earning potential for, for, for this name and likeness opportunities. You're fighting a full roster of other multi-star recruits with big names, a lot of them already there, established. And so I think, I think, I think you're right. I think you'll see some of these higher-name kids that are, that are local. They're at least, you know, whether or not they stay here and go to BYU or Utah um, or Utah State, um, whether or not that happens, I for sure think that it, it now is – more on the table 
they, they have to think things through more and weigh their options. And, and, I, and I, I'm with you. I hope that that's what happens. I hope they stay here and, and they keep our local schools more competitive. And, and I think that that doesn't just benefit the state of Utah. I think that benefits all of college sports because, you know, competition is, is what makes the whole thing tick. How do you think the balance of the team is going to be affected if one guy's making a whole bunch of money and somebody else who's busting in the weight room and all that stuff and doing the same thing but isn't as good or isn't as charismatic or what have you or for whatever reason just didn't get it and he's not making near as much money if at all do you think that changes anything yeah so there'll there'll be a different dynamic and i think the biggest difference really is just the maturity level of the kids we're talking about here um you know every professional team essentially is already working with this dynamic right and um i mean you go to the the nfl and the nba i mean with with some of the contracts they get um or you know baseball is probably the most the most drastic when you take the top to the bottom um of the rosters with how much they're making um and and i mean it's just there there's there's guys in different galaxies in, in terms of their yearly salaries right and in in those locker rooms there's there's not there really isn't any um jealousy or you know ill will um it's all just guys are happy for their teammates and they they hope to be the guy the guy next um but again they're a little bit more mature they're a few years older um, and so I think with these younger kids, you know, some of them are going to be 17, 18. There probably will be a little bit of that, um, and that'll just be another dynamic to, to navigate. Brian Keel joining us, former BYU and NFL linebacker. So I'm curious, as you've watched the trend of transferring accelerate, will this slow that down a little bit? Because when you talk about a player going away from home not being was worth as much money, if you're bouncing between programs – you're 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 an unknown. You're nameless. You're faceless. Yes, I I hope it does. I I I'm glad that kids have the opportunity to transfer because I think you know the shoe should be on both feet. You know, coaches can leave willy nilly. Um, you know, athletic directors, whatever they, they they can they can leave. I think players should be able to transfer, um, and I'm glad that they are. I I I don't. I that being said, I don't like how how prevalent it is. I think. That t- it hurts the game a little bit, and I think I think kids are too quick to throw in the towel, to pack it up, and to 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 you know to not necessarily quit, but you know go somewhere else. So anyway, I I'm glad that it's there. I, I think it happens too much, and I hope that this does curb that. And 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 in theory, it should because like you just said, you know you put in two years somewhere, um, building a name, building a brand. And, and, yeah, if you, you pack up shop and, and go, especially to a, a completely different conference or a completely different part of the country, um, you're, you're kind of starting over there. So hopefully that curbs that a little bit. Do you think players, college players now, I don't know if we can call them agents, but will they have representatives to try to go out and market the individual player? Yeah, I'm sure that'll happen. And, and to be honest, you know, I, I a, a friend that I grew up uh, played with in, in – middle school and high school, you know, one of my best friends um, who's a lawyer, he reached out to me last year when this was all, you know, getting talked about uh, coming through the pipeline about that very thing. He, and and his, he's like, this is a great business opportunity. He's like, we should look into, to, um, you know, who's going to represent these guys? Who's going to navigate these waters for them? Um, 
and 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 yeah, there, I, I think like anything, um, when when a market is created, uh, people will enter that market and they'll try to utilize every avenue uh, where money can be made. So I, I do I do think that will, will end up happening. You know, brokers or agents, you know, wh- whatever you want to call them. This is going to keep parents involved longer than it used to, isn't it? Because the parents are going to be kind of brokering and managing that for the kid in high school. It'll be a natural transition for them to stay involved in college if they've already been involved in high school. Yeah, yeah. I think um, what what I think what a lot of these parents, um, especially the ones that are are super involved, I think um, it, it it'll be it'll be a posturing. You know, you'll you'll start at a younger age. You'll start posturing and. Um, especially with social media, you know, the way that, and, and social media, I think will probably drive the majority of this. Um, and the, in terms of, of earning potential in dollars and, and, you know, with all these influencers and that's already been going on and, and now you throw in these college athletes into that mix. Um, so I think, yeah, you'll, you'll see parents and family, you'll start positioning and, and really trying to, structure some of these kids earlier um, because it's all it's all about momentum you know if you can if you can get into college with a huge following uh, you're just that much further ahead of and it, it, it is, it is going to be competition there's only there's only so many dollars and so many clicks and likes and views and there's only so many eyes to go around so it's a competition versus the next guy and if you can get a jump, a jump on on the next guy, then you're you're going to be that much ahead. Do you see any negative or unintended consequences because of this that would affect the college kid? Yeah, I mean, I think there you always run that risk. So, it, and like I said, where I'm interested to see how it shakes out, um, I'm sure there's going to be a trade off with with almost with almost every change, with almost every. Policy, you know, everything has trade-offs. There's, there's good and there's bad. Um, and so I think there's going to be a lot of good with, with this rule change. And inevitably, there's going to be some bad. And, you know, I'm definitely not smart enough to forecast precisely what that bad is going to be. But I'm, I, you know, would be shocked if there isn't some sort of negative consequence. And that, that's just the trade-off, you know, with, with, with a different policy and, and, and another thing to navigate. When did you become old and wise, Brian? When did this happen? (laughs) So I think the negative, first off, I think you're totally right in what you just said. And the one that seems obvious to me, and I've heard this uh, from pros, and I think the pros are getting a little better about navigating it, but some are still struggling with it. When you win, it's time to go cash in. But that time you spend cashing in is time not spent on working on your craft. And whether you cheat in the weight room a little bit or you cheat on the diet a little bit or you just miss the rest because you're jetting around the country cashing in, there's a price to be paid. And all we hear is that with these college kids, it is a being a D1 football player is a full-time job. And even when the coaches can't be around you and there's a quote-unquote dead period, the team self-organizes and still lifts weight and they still practice and it's a player's run practice. And I'm just wondering if there's going to be a trade-off with time. It seems like there has to be. And some guys are going to check out a little bit because they go off to cash in. Yeah, that's it. So, you, yeah, as, as you say that, my, my, the wheels start turning in my head. And I, I totally agree with you. So, 
um, you know, time is finite, finite. There's only so many hours in a day. And um, there's, there's opportunity costs. Every hour you spend doing one thing is an hour you can't spend doing another thing. And so, um, you know, you take a quarterback, for instance, take Zach Wilson. The kid obviously put the work in. He, um, he improved dramatically from when he showed up in Provo to ending up being the number two overall pick, right? And, and he put that work in, and it paid off for him. Um, he put the work in on the practice field. Um, it was covered ad nauseum how many times he went and, <laughs> and trained with John, John Beck. Um, he, he obviously put the, the work in in the film room, et cetera, et cetera. Now, now, fast forward to this new protocol, this new procedure. You have these kids, um, if they're trying to create a brand, if they're trying to curate a social media presence and create you know, these TikTok videos and all this stuff. And this, this is a world that I, I don't understand this world. I'm, I'm, I'm too old for it, but these kids, they spend a lot of time creating these videos and, and pictures and, and they take multiple, multiple takes and, and they have to set the camera up. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. That, those, that time is time that they're not in the film room. They're not working on, on their mechanics. They're not, working on their craft. So, yeah. So as you say that, that I think that will be something um, that these kids will have to decide how much time do I spend trying to build this brand and how much time do I spend grinding? And that's just going to be an uh, individual decision. Well, we appreciate a few minutes, Brian. We want to apologize to you. We're sorry you were born 20 years too late. (laughs) You know, whoever's born now was still born 20 years off. So it it just, uh, every generation laments the next one. Thanks for coming on and spending a few minutes with us, though. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Brian Keel, former BYU and NFL linebacker. Tom Homo, BYU athletic director on how the Cougars are going to navigate name, image, and likeness going forward. They've got a plan. What is their plan? And uh, what are the upsides and downsides Tom sees coming down the line? We'll talk with him coming up at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz, but the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA Draft to free agency and on to the Summer League, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Join hands with Scotty G Friday at the warehouse from 10 to 2. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. Boom! All right, I'm backtracking. I've been getting a little feedback, and I've been rethinking the Chris Paul take. I'm going to say he's divisive. <laughs> are people pumped about him going to the finals? No, there are a lot of people who don't like him, who do think he's a bleep, but he does have a lot of people in his corner. So I think he's got to go in the divisive category. He is a smaller guy, and people root for him, and it's been a grind. He's 36 and finally getting to the NBA Finals. for 41 in a game. Oh, huge, game. right? He's yeah. 7 Say of 8 from, from eight. 3. Yeah, huge game. He's 36 years old. Yeah, but he's also a provocateur. He's always saying oh, something. He's, he, he's no, always he's a competitor. Yeah, if you like him. I get it. It has nothing to do with you like him. Do I like Chris Paul? No more than I like anybody. I agree. But, but you I appreciate and I, but you and, his athletic ability and his determination. But you and I are odd that way, and the career kind of does it to you, and we just kind of watch. And we do appreciate the guy who doesn't make the finals until 36. 
Right. That was greatness Great. on yep. display. Yep. His what like 12 to 16 footer it's basically become a trademark in the way the sky hook is a trademark and there's a counter to everything and for all the analytics that say the three and the layups and dunks but that's all based on you shooting i don't know 44 percent or whatever it is on those two pointers so if they're going to give it to you if you well they're going to give me that shot then i'll just practice it and i'll start making 60 percent of them and that's Screws I up don't know if they're going to give it to him. I think he takes it sometimes. Yes, but defenses on the whole are not going to come and help. You're not going to get. But doubled. he's been doing that. Yes, before the three as an older guy, right? But I think that the fact that he does it individually, the Suns do it a little more as a team, and I think the logic is, hey, they're defending everything else. This is a shot that's there. If we shoot it at a 44 percent clip or whatever, it isn't a winning shot. But if we shoot it at 60 percent. Clip, it is a winning shot. So everything evolves, and maybe we'll get away from the 3 and D a little bit. It's a fresh story. Who mm-hmm. in the world does not like fresh stories? Well, on the other hand, he's not a fresh story because he's been around 15 years. Which so. makes it a fresh story <laughs> that he finally gets there at 36. That is a fresh story. It doesn't happen. Where you're the leader of a team. Name me one other time your NBA recite encyclopedia nerd. And I say that with the utmost affection. I was about to I thank give you, you for flowers. It. <laughs> I don't want them. <laughs> you, irregardless, you have to. I you're still give gonna, them to you. You're just gonna die in a week. That's the nice thing. You bring, <sighs> give them flowers. I've been hearing that all yeah. week. This is a fresh story. Who in the freaking world wouldn't love this story? This is a great story, both individually and as a team. Thirty-six-year-old guys as the best player on the team the on combo, their yes, fifth I agree. team. Don't do this and go to the finals. And also, you don't go ten years without going to the playoffs. Average nearly sixty losses a season Which I for think five it was years. Eleven, but uh, was it yeah. eleven? Yeah, but you just and then come out of nowhere and win three straight playoff series. But they did it. Yeah, and the guy tweets at me, "Oh well, they played without Davis. They did." Yeah, blah blah blah. If the Jazz were here, you'd be and because he has a Jazz logo in his pitcher thing, you'd be going berserko. Sucks for the injured team. But it's, this isn't the first go-around where some team has taken advantage of another team's injury. There have been And Chris more, Paul didn't play for two freaking games! There have been, yeah, well, he was hurt with the shoulder for a couple games in the first round, and then the COVID protocol but he played. in the third. This one, he didn't play. He right. was not even in the arena for two games. Yep, but in the, even in the first one, he couldn't lift his arm over the shoulder. I mean, in my mind, the Suns were hurt by injury when he was obviously out there at 50%. And we overcame it. Yeah, because you're wearing a sun sweatshirt. We are this. May or may not belong to you, but you know, nonetheless, I don't know if it does. <laughs> I know you I, don't. I, I can't. I found it, but in it the doesn't closet. matter. We have a downstairs closet. I went looking, and there it was. I thought I had a hat. I thought I would just wear a hat. Why wouldn't you have a hat? You have a hat of everything. I know, but I couldn't find it. Oh, really? That would be awesome if for all the hats you have, and if you don't know this about PK, literally, if if I have no idea how many hats you have, but if you told me the number was a hundred, I would take the over. I've seen you wear a lot of hats over the years. I was surprised I did not have a son's hat. I can't believe you had 100 hats and you don't have a son's hat. I couldn't find one. Lost in the crowd of hats. Maybe so. Between the ASU hat and the Diamondback hat. Stuck in there and you didn't notice. When we come back, Tom Holm BYU Athletic Director. How are the Cougars going to handle name, image, and likeness? What are they going to set up? 
where does it what have they set up and where does it go from here unintended consequences what's he worried about what's he hopeful for we'll get to that next stay with us DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. It's time to welcome in Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director. He joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is now in an extreme drought. Currently, that is why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. Tom, good morning. Good morning, DJ. How you doing? Good. Thanks for joining us on such short notice. We appreciate it. And... There are many questions we're about to ask you that, honestly, I don't know that you can 100% guarantee us the answer is right. Uh, so I want to start with an impossible question. Are you ready? Sure. That's a good way to start. Yeah. If name, image, and likeness had been a deal, say, 50 years ago, which cougar would have earned the most money, Jimmer or Jim McMahon? Well, I think Jimmer probably could be – it's hard to say because Jimmer was in a little bit more of the information age. Mm-hmm think uh, he was the player of the year. That's an impossible question. You're right. But I think both of those two would be, would uh, both of those guys would be in a position to be able to uh, take advantage of name, image, and likeness. So at your media day, Tom, you guys were ahead of the game. There was a phrase, it's something for life. I'm, it's escaping me what you guys called it. Uh, Built for Built life. For yeah. And so obviously you're trying to get uh, uh, basically get your arms around this as far as uh, po- as much as possible. Uh, what jurisdiction or power or influence and all that stuff is the university going to have over kids as they start to go? Because we've seen already a couple on social media basically say, hey, I'm available. Let me help you. <laughs> um, it's a very good question. We feel that it's our responsibility to help educate them and train them. There's ways we can do that. I think a lot of these young people are in for a, a great learning experience, which will come with some good experiences and some really tough experiences. Right now, that's what we're trying to do with Built for Life, is to accelerate programs that will help them learn how best to deal with these types of opportunities to make money. Uh, as you two and I know, who have been at this for a long time, the best way is not to say, hey, come, I'm available, come get me. You graduate, you get a great degree, you go out and get a good job, and you go to work five days a week from nine to five. That's how you start making money. From there, you know, maybe some creativity, some good breaks, some good uh, elbow grease, and you, you make a, a, a bigger amounts of money. But I think the key thing is trying to help them understand and prepare them for a job. So do you have companies already contacting your kids or your, uh, your uh, coaches and administrators? Are you already hearing from the community about wanting to get on board with this? I mean, BYU is a pretty powerful brand, but it's especially a pretty powerful brand within 10 or 20 miles of campus. Yeah, I think the answer to that question is yes, 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 but in minimal um, opportunities. Some of our um, some people's companies in the state have come to us ahead of time. We're friends with them and said, hey, we would like to be involved in this. We think that we could use a few athletes, and we'd like to, in advertising. That's something that's kosher. You can work. You can make that work. I think there's other people that are not coming to us 
and they're just going right to the athletes, which is legal. That's fine. The issue that's really it's hard for us to deal with is we're I feel like I, mean, I love these kids and we're with them a lot. We have a lot to do with their growth and development during this period of time in their lives. And I just know that there's a lot of unscrupulous people out there that are going to take advantage of them. And that's why I'm saying with Built for Life and with the things that we're going to do with NIL behind the scenes, not just seeing how much money they can make, but we're trying to prepare them for these experiences that they are going to have if they get involved. Some are going to be great and some are going to be really bad. So is the so-called maybe seediness side of it, is that what concerns you the most? Um, I don't, I think the, the one thing that concerns me the most is just that they, they have a, an opportunity to learn about what they can expect. And then it's never going to be exactly, we, we, we go and we take classes in college and we learn and then we go out into the world and it's not quite how they taught us in college, but we have an idea of how it's going to be. And we, we've done this for years. Every school in the state has educated their student athletes. And it's not just about football and baseball and basketball and soccer. It's about a relationship. And it's about the way that we connect with our student athletes. And this just speeds it up about 100 times what has been in the past. Tom Homo join us, BYU Athletic Director. Is this going to significantly change recruiting? I mean, they've already been kids, players, middle men running around with their hands out. Is there going to be more of that? Is this going to make Kalani's head explode? Well, I think it adds another component, a pretty significant component. But if you're like you guys have been in the business a long time, you realize that there's been a lot of under the table dealings that are not have not been legal with the NCAA that have been occurring from uh, free lunch to tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars. This right now opens the doors and kind of what they're saying is it lets the market go and see what happens. And I think that you're going to have recruiters that are still going to cheat. There's still, there's rules in NIL. This isn't just, uh, all Katie bar the door, this is all down. This is, there's going to be people that still break rules. There's rules that say that you can't entice people to come to your school. You can't do that by just giving them money. Is that going to happen? Yeah, you all know that's going to happen. But we, you'd like to think that there's enough people that are in the NCAA, in membership schools, coaches, administrators, presidents, all those involved with athletics that will try to do it right, to try to develop programs to help their student-athletes, and they'll have good experiences. I don't know if all those things that went down that were illegal in past years, wherever they happened, were good experience for the kids. I don't think it's a great learning experience. You're not teaching them a lot of good things by doing what, by breaking the rules. How much do you think this whole situation is going to evolve, meaning next year, five years from now, there's all sorts of different things as it, as it affects everything because there's stuff right now that we just don't know how it's going to play out? I think that's exactly how it'll play out, PK. I, I just think that we're going to learn a lot real fast. 
the NCAA has come out with this. Uh, I don't even know what they're calling it. It's an interim policy, I guess that is the best way to put it. We all anticipate that Congress will come out with a standardized plan because right now you have various ways, depending on which state your school's in, as to how this will be legislated. That's, gonna, that's difficult, and nobody thinks that it can work that way. So we all anticipate, you know, time frame, uh, I'd say at least a year, maybe more, before something solid comes out. But in the meantime, we're going to learn. Right now at BYU, we, you know, in the state of Utah, there is no legislation, which, quite frankly, I think it's a benefit to all the schools in the state. And I think it will be helpful for our student-athletes and that we all are kind of on the same page and each one of our schools now can be able to regulate and assist student-athletes to take advantage the best way they can with NIL. And I think that we put out something today that describes what our um, program is. It has to be that way if you don't, if you're not in a state that's legislated. And we feel that that will, it's not written in pencil, but we'll be, uh, we'll be changing it a lot in the next couple weeks and months to adapt to what we learn from other schools and other parts of the country and some of the student-athletes. I think a lot of, what's, a lot of it's going to be that student-athletes are going to, through their social media contacts and the way, just the way they communicate these days, which is very effectively, that they're going to learn from each other. They're going to learn from best practices how they might be able to participate in NIL. And look, don't get me wrong. I think that this is a long time coming. There's aspects of NIL that are going to be great. And I've said all along that I'm supportive of certain aspects of it. So today is a good day for our student-athletes. But it's also one of those things like when you send your your children off to college and you're like, okay, (laughs) as best I can, but you know that you're going to get some calls back saying, Hey, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. And I think a lot of kids are going to finally learn that you, you have a name, an image and likeness, and you have to make of that what you make of it. There's not going to be people that are going to be coming to all 631 of our student-athletes with deals. I think that some of our student-athletes will have great opportunities to make some money, and rightfully so. I think that's a great thing. And hopefully uh, they'll have been in a position where they'll make really good decisions and be involved with really good people. And if that's the case, that will be a, a very good thing for them. BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo joining us. So as the name, image, and likeness rules take over, and there are a lot of boosters at a lot of schools that are smart and are savvy and are invested. And under the old rules, you know, something like Phil Knight, right, and the Nike money, and no one can deny the power and impact he's had on the Oregon Athletic Department. But now, with so many more rules open, it seems like some schools are going to have boosters set up. I don't want to call them shadow governments, or I don't know what to call them, but you know what I'm getting at. And they're going to be just off to the side, off campus, making sure the money flows, trying to give their school a competitive advantage. Are you worried about that? It's going to happen. 
I'm not really worried about it because it's going to happen. It's we're we're going to protect against that. We don't want that to happen because it's illegal. Now it's going to be the reason that the NCAA compliance book rule book is like two inches thick is because coaches and administrators have caused so many laws to be written because they've they're going to try to find ways to get things done and new rules have to be put in place all the time. So I, I think you're right, DJ, that there's going to be immediately people trying to figure out a way to quote unquote beat the system. Mm-hmm. There are rules. They're very plain about what you can do. And each, each school has different rules now. Each state or many states have different rules. But there, you asked a question. Am I worried about people cheating? I can't worry about that. We're just going to do what we do. We're going to prepare our kids the very best way we can. And we think we have a... So, no matter what club you're in as far as uh, a supporter, whether it's the Cougar Club, whether it's the... Uh, Crimson Club, from the highest, most famous, biggest donor down to the bottom. Everybody wants to win, and everybody associated with BYU wants an, another eleven and one season. If they don't want that, it's because they want it twelve and zero, and and that's just the way it is. Do you think, or how much do you think this program going forward is going to help individual programs win? I don't. I think. What will happen is certain student-athletes, prospective student-athletes, will make their decision on what school they attend based on where the money's at. I think that's how you could put it. Whether it's, uh, you know, they're going to get money under the table in a legal way, which has happened for decades and which will continue to happen. But I think that hopefully, hopefully most of the schools – they recruit student-athletes to come to their school for the right reasons, which are to get a great education, to sell the things that happen on your school that are dynamite and that have been advantageous for students for, forever, and then to be able to have program, athletic programs that have great coaches and that have success and can develop and grow kids and make them better at their particular sport. And that in the in the end, the student athletes come to school, and they by the, when they spend however much time they spend there, when they leave, they feel that they're better for going to that school. That isn't always the case. Look at the transfer portal. There are so many kids in the transfer portal now. Those kids aren't going to those schools necessarily uh, for the right reasons. They're they're going for why. Well, I guess it could be their right reason. If they want to go just to make money and put themselves in a position to make as much money as they can, then that's where they're going to choose their school. We'd like to think that people aren't coming to BYU because they're going to make the most money while they're here. We think that we can put them, because it's such a great institution and has such a great reputation for its our graduates, that that's a great selling point. That's a huge competitive advantage for us. And that's what we're going to hang our hat on. It's always been that way, and it always will be that way. BYUAD, Tom Homo joining us. So uh, PK has a theory that there's so much, especially for football, 
But there's so much attention focused on high school sports that a kid can raise their profile locally. And if they stay and play college locally, well, then they're ahead of the game and, and building momentum and their ability to cash in on their name. Do you think this tips the balance of power when it comes to local recruiting, especially football and, and basketball, too, to a lesser degree? I think that, you know, PK, I would agree with that. I think that you look around the country – a lot of kids stay close to home because they have family, they feel comfortable, they have a great connection, and it feels right. And they think that they can accomplish everything that they want to accomplish by going to that local school. And I think the state of Utah, for all of our schools, I think we're in a great spot. The state of Utah is an incredible economy, incredible economy. We have incredible schools. We have the great outdoors. We have so many things that are happening right now. And I hope, I hope that a lot of these kids will stay in the state because they'll be able to connect with the great opportunities that are here. There, in, you know, in years past, maybe when I came in old ages, there might not have been as many things in the state. But I think now the locals, I think you're right, PK. I think that'll... I'd like to believe it's true, and I think you're right. So, Tom, I'm going to throw a total hypothetical at you, which means it may be fair or not, but I want to get your thought on it from your experience. We know that the BYU quarterback is a high, high-profile position. I mean, it's practically a member of the Jazz in terms of their visibility and all that stuff. So a scenario, the whoever the quarterback is, he's successful and like he was like Zach was last season. So he signs a deal with Channel 2 that says, I will give you an exclusive interview on the field after the game, and he's going to get paid $10,000 per, whatever it might be, I don't know. But he signs that, which may be a little bit different. You know, you're supposed to go off the field and have the locker room and the 10-minute cooling pot off period and all that stuff. I'm wondering, could you see a scenario like that where that, not necessarily just BYU, but around the country, Ohio State, SC, wherever, that a kid signs the deal that, in a sense, supersedes what the team has going on? How long did it take you to come up with that idea, PK? We were talking about it this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, this is one of those things where you said, you know, are things going to adapt? I think the answer to that question is, that's a possibility. It, it certainly would be uh, legal and okay for a lot of places. But I think one of the things that we deal with are exclusive contracts. We also deal with, would a coach of a team make a policy saying that you can do something with a TV station after we release you from the locker room, but not while we're on the field? I, I don't know have an answer to that, but... Those questions will be answered in short order because people are going to challenge that. And is that okay? Sure it is. It's going to to make us work overtime. Our brains are going to have to be on, on at all times. We're going to have to be really creative. We're going to have to put away the things that we've thought from the past and start looking to the future. So I think all of those, that's, that's legal. I, I don't see that being anything wrong with that unless somebody had an exclusive um and that that's one of the things that we're gonna have to consider 
is all the schools in the state of Utah have exclusive deals with their school. So I'm going to give an example. We have a deal exclusively on our campus with Coca-Cola, and it's an athletic department and campus deal. So one of the things that people say are, could our student-athletes do a deal with another uh, beverage company? And the answer is they probably could off-campus away without any of our marks or any of our facilities. And those are going to be have to be strictly monitored because we have – we – already have contracts that enforce our campus. So that the scenario that you give with individuals doing uh, interviews after the game would have to be in compliance with what those state, and excuse me, not state, campus yeah. and Lake Department contracts already that had already exist. Yeah, and so you'd have to work that out and see if it could come to fruition. Since we're just making stuff up, how about a halftime off the field, walking off the field interview? <laughs> well, hey, look, one of the things that we can't do is we can't broker deals. So that's one of the rules in the NCAA is people on campus, coaches, administrators, um, ADs, we can't be involved in brokering deals. Right. And so, you know, don't be trying to slide me a little money under the table, PK, to help you out. <laughs> Don't worry about that. PK's never given anybody any money at all. Hey, the Devils went to the Rose Bowl in 87. I gave him 20 bucks. Nice. <laughs> That's why they haven't been back because you haven't given them 20 bucks. There yet. it is. 96. But yeah. <laughs> so I actually had this conversation with a sports information director at another school earlier this week, but I think it applies to every SID in the country. I said, you usually pick, you know, you get the request from the media for whoever after the game, and you pick three to five players and the head coach. Like, you're going to walk in the locker room or a guy's going to be staring you down? It's like, you're costing me money. Run me out there. I'll entertain him. I'll say something. And he just laughed. He says, I don't know, but probably. So does that go back to you got to go to square one on everything everybody does on campus because this changes a lot of things? Yeah, we'll, we'll have to cross that bridge in the fall. We'll, we'll talk about those things. And I think one of the things that it does do is that it does create a little more competitiveness within the team who gets what like it's one thing to see that this person this guy on my team is going to get a little bit more attention in the media it's another thing if that attention is leading to him to get paid and and that's unfortunate i've talked to all our coaches about hey look at your responsibility as a coach just you just added a lot of time because now you're, you've got to be dealing with the unity of the team and the collaboration of team members. And one of the things that's such an important part of successful teams is when players on the team can be happy for other kids' success. That's a great – the greatest teams, players are not envious of other people on the team doing great. And this, when money comes into it, it could be affected. Those are things that our coaches are talking about all the time now, saying, how are we going to convince our players that it's really still, you know, all for one and one for all? we got to come into this together. And even though there's going to be maybe now money on the line, it can't change the fact that we got to be together. You've been involved in the NFL game for many years, and I'm sure, I'm sure you saw some of the evils that money created 
in all sorts of different ways that can go down the wrong road. How much is the university educating or going to be educating these kids as far as if they come into cash on how to handle it and maybe what to expect? That will be encompassed in our Built for Life program. So people, these people will have to deal with taxes now. They, they, where they haven't done that. They'll have to deal with contracts because we are not allowed on our campus to be part of those contracts. So what if somebody, a kid has a contract with um, a company and, and they were supposed to get paid and then the company doesn't pay them? What are they, are they going to come to us now and say, hey, you got to take care of this. They didn't pay me. Well, that's part of how it'll work. You'll have to go get an attorney or you'll have to get someone that will help you deal with that legal issue. It's going to be, you know, there'll have to be a lot of education that takes place that they would probably learn in their first jobs off of campus. Look, we have a lot of kids that are on campus that are students and not student-athletes governed by the NCAA that have had to deal with this already. And that's one of the reasons why I feel that it's okay, and I like the fact that student-athletes shouldn't be different from our students on campus. There's reasons to believe that there are, because even in the, in the major leagues, NFL, NBA, um, Major League Baseball, there's rules, there's drafts, there's collective bargaining. There's a lot of things that take place to help um, rectify some of these problems that would exist. Right now, it's kind of going to be like the wild, wild west. And then as we see that didn't work or we're not going to be able to do that or here's a new rule or policy that we're going to have to institute, every single school is going to be dealing with that. And we'll find, uh, hopefully, we'll find – a place where we can be comfortable until they come out with legislation. And when that day comes, I think even from there, there's going to be a lot of adjustments. So this, the whole landscape of the NCAA has changed. We can't even imagine some of the issues that we're going to be having to deal with, but we'll deal with them as they come up. Um, Corona was probably a good experience for us in this way. There were so many things that athletic departments had to deal with that we had no idea how to do it. And somehow, some way, we got through it. We figured out ways to be at our best. We figured out ways to endure, to overcome, resiliency. And those are some of the principles that we've been telling our kids already. Hey, this is going to be so different. We're going to have to come at you with some policies that we've never had before. And you're going to think that we're restricting you. We'll work together to come up with these policies. And that's what this generation wants. They like participating in their outcomes instead of like right now, a lot of people look at the NCAA and say, kids don't have any, they don't have any say in what their future is uh, as far as, you know, NCAA and and, uh, NIL. And now they do. So again, I would say uncharted waters, but let's go. 
Well, Tom, we could probably create a hundred more hypotheticals and wreck your whole day, but we really ought to let you go. We appreciate you coming on on short notice to uh, talk about all this and kind of cluing Cougar fans on where you're going with your team and, and probably cluing fans of other teams around the state, too. Thanks for joining us. Good luck. And when we have a hundred more hypotheticals, we'll call you back and run them all by you. Hey, just send them down to me. I'll answer them every time. Appreciate okay. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. See you, bye. Tom Holmo, BYU Athletic Director. New challenges, new opportunities, probably new rule breakings. Oh, yeah, how yeah, much? Yeah, yeah. How much will it really change? Who wins and who loses? Which, as you said, when we heard the jazz management change, all the other stuff is interesting. Depending on how much you want to delve into it, personalities, rules, who's making how much money, what people are like off the court. But at the end of the day, to use it. Donald. Very popular phrase. <laughs> At the end of the day, who won and who lost? Right. When you say, hey, what happened in the game, that's usually what you cut right to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I wonder how much this is going to oh, impact yeah, winning and losing. My four-year-old came home from T-ball. I said, did you win? <laughs> did you win? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> uh, the youth sports stories are just yeah. awesome. Don't have a scoreboard. Do you want to eat tonight? Score. You're playing, <laughs> and the parents are up there. Oh, man. so like, okay, you know the kids are keeping score, right? The six year olds, you can't stop them. They're out there keeping. Do score. You want to ride home from the game, or you want to walk? <laughs> I coached four year old girls in soccer this past, and spring. they keep score, right? They legitimately would come off the field. Hey, I just scored two goals. We're up six two, right? Yeah. yeah, they know exactly what's going on. Good. I keep score every day of my life. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, we're getting you caught up next. Rises and fires for three. The playoffs may be over for the Utah Jazz. You're outstanding. But the season never ends on the Zone Sports Network. From the NBA draft to free agency and on to the summer league, the Zone will be with the Jazz every step of the way as the Jazz front office builds for the future. Your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res. When you get the carpets and the tile clean, it's never just clean. It's Zero Res clean. Don't have it any other way. Just $33 per room clean. You deserve the best. You deserve Zero Res. Schedule with Zero Res today. Call them at 801-288-9376. Or schedule online by searching for Zero Res Carpet Cleaning. And your house will look shiny and new. Shiny and new. All right, stuff you've missed in this show. If you're just tuning in, you're one segment too late to catch Tom Homo. Name, image, likeness. It's payday time for college athletes. This is the ultimate developing story. Yeah, right? (laughs) There's nothing final about this. Everyone's going to learn, and he's right. The, the, everyone laughs that the NCAA rulebook is so big. Well, the NCAA rulebook is so big because every time they write a rule, everybody goes home and immediately tries to figure out the workaround to get around the rule. And then they write another rule, and there's another workaround, and that's how this is going to work. Sure, yeah. Schools can't set up deals. Right. But the kid, I mean, it's so obvious. Just get an exclusive interview with the quarterback. What are you going to do? What's the school going to do? Tell them no? I can tell them no. 
If you can't do it on campus, good. We'll just walk a block away. <laughs> That's the thing that they they don't they take the teeth out of the university being able to say yeah. anything. That's awesome. Should get easier to get uh, guests on Sunday night shows from uh, college you athletes pay them? now. Can't pay them. No, you can't. That was the flaw with the scenario you put up. The whole paying for interviews thing. You're not the uh, you're not TMZ or the National okay, Enquirer. Okay, but but you guys do it with all those jazz players. You know, under what? the bleachers and under the stands and... Oh, oh, oh back in the day. Yeah. With the thing, yeah, what did they get out of that? I don't know that Hornacek got paid. I don't know what he did. I'll Come have to on. ask Fox. <laughs> he ain't doing it for free. Joe isn't doing it for free. No, Joe is not doing the radio for free. So You're what's right. the difference? Yeah. I honestly If it's a long-standing thing, you don't right. pay for news. Right. That's... A breach of ethics to the highest degree. Yes. Didn't we see one of these networks found out they were paying for something? They paid the dude from Tooele who about went that. to the sixth, and he was, was getting paid to to, or they paid for him Correct. to show the video, and it was legitimate news services. And I'm thinking, you have got to be kidding me! This is unbelievable. This is a complete yeah, and total absolute the no. Whole, the whole fine line, you know, will yeah. uh, will TV stations buy video? Well, then it's like paying a stringer to shoot it. I think is the whole logic rationalization for that. But you don't pay a newsmaker. For a news interview. For interviews. Right, yeah. But when but it's, actually, a, when you it's know, an established that, when thing. When I was a kid, right, when I was a kid, like Dan Fouts would come in studio on the CBS station's local news on, I don't know, Tuesday or whatever, some midweek, and, and talk for like five minutes. You know, yeah, your hero, he was Danny a, Fouts. Yeah, he was a big deal, and I was in... He was good. Yeah, he I don't was. know what he was in the interview, probably, because I heard oh, he, him on TV a million times doing the broadcasting. Yeah, oh, he was But, funny. I mean, he, he was a heck of a player. He would jam up the sports guy. There was a little chemistry there. You can jam him up. So, I just, uh, that's going to be curious to see. Are we see. overblowing this? Is this more, I mean, a player's going to make a lot of money off this. A lot of players, are we making too much out of this? Is it going to change the balance well, of power and winning and losing? No, I don't think it's going to change the balance of power and winning and losing. But if kids can make money, this is what we wanted yeah, and so well, if any of us were given a chance to make an extra five thousand dollars, any listener in your car, if you had a chance to make an extra oh, no grand or five no grand, yeah, of course, especially since it's relatively, uh, it's not relatively really, easy to do. Yeah, it's it's not heavy lifting is what I was looking for. Um, so yeah, I can't answer all these questions because no question can be answered definitively right now. No question can be in, in, answered definitively next year. We'll have to look back 10, 15, 20 years. Without question, though, the Jimmers of the world, the Tim Tebows of the world, you know, look back at guys who we know are popular and all that. Can you imagine what a Tebow would have been worth? What would people in Florida, his third year in school, be willing to be willing to fork over to get him oh, to you do would an think appearance? It would be hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah. And the same thing with Jimmer here. The Jimmer phenomenon was literally unlike we had anything we'd ever seen because it's rare in college that an individual is bigger than the team because usually the biggest individual in a college team is the coach. Yeah. You know. But Jimmer was the exception. Yeah, Urban. Yeah. It's not Florida State, Ohio State, it's Urban. <laughs> Wherever he goes. Yeah. And Jimmer was the exception. Those you those great U teams, those were great teams. It was Majerus. Majerus got all the love. And then until the guys got drafted into the pros, then they cashed in big time. Yeah, but Van Horn would have done all right. Not to the level of Jimmer. Agreed. Jimmer was a freak in that way. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. 
But then to your point, the last few years, what would any of the Utes have been worth? You know, if you're on a team that's well, their scholarship five hundred ish, right? Yeah, right. Now, right, but we right. say that, but then the the whole thing came out that Kuzma was getting ten grand from some apparel company down the line. So, to what degree do businesses, especially in basketball, do these say, "Hey, just on the off chance you blow up, we're going to take care of you now"? And Kuzma's the kid who did. Sure, but that was on a Sweet Sixteen out. team too. It was. It was a better team. So. Right. But when they cut that deal with him in high school, he hadn't been on a sweet 16 I know. team. I know. Maybe they reckon him he's 6'10". Right. He's got these. Right. It's, it goes back to the Paul, Paul George. It's central casting. Send me a basketball player. And this guy comes through the door like, yep, that's a basketball player. Yeah. Yeah. So I find this exciting and fascinating at the same time is where are we going with this? It's new and it's because different and it's unpredictable. Tom Homo, who's played at the highest level, coached at the highest level, yeah. been in athletics for 40 plus years, can't offer definitive answers on this or that. They're trying their best in this build for life thing. I give the Cougars the credit. And then sure enough, a few hours later, the Utes released their thing on the very same day. <laughs> And I give them credit, too. you, you got to try and get ahead yeah, of it, even though man. it's impossible. But he's right. A lot of the stuff he brought up, hey, coaches, you're going to have to work on team building. You know, it's, uh, I mean, the, there's a lot of examples, but an easy one would be, does some dude on the offense, want some wide receiver or tight end, want to sprint 30 or 40 yards to throw a block? Is it just second nature to sprint 30, 40 yards, throw a block, so the running back goes 70 yards? I think in the moment, yes. Hope so. Certainly hope so. Because that's what, and if not, you don't want that kid on your team. Yeah. There's the intoxication that comes from winning is unlike any intoxication. Not that I've been intoxicated, but I've been around winning. You get the adrenaline rush would be the better word. Yeah. Yeah. The adrenaline rush. We all have it on our small levels. I've been fortunate enough. I literally was in the Bulls locker room when they won their first title. When MJ won his first title, I was right there. Right. So you experience that. And that's pro basketball, but at the college football level, a game I'm sure you will always remember. You're on the road. BYU wins a TCU, and TCU's really good, and BYU's questioning how good they are. And they know when they win that game, everybody knows BYU is good. Everybody at BYU knew it. All the Utes knew it. Random media members like myself out at high school football following a game on the radio are like, this BYU team must be good because they just won a TCU. They didn't lose again the rest of that year. Yeah. And you knew it, and you've talked about uh, seeing guys hug after the game. Brandon and John Beck. Yeah, John Beck has arrived. In the locker room. For all the issues early, there is now no debate. He's arrived. That was a seminal moment in BYU football. So it's that's that adrenaline rush you get. Oh yeah, back to Harley. So hopefully, there's no money there. And you know, there's an argument that this other bad stuff will happen. Maybe that team would have fallen apart anyway without name, image, and likeness. And now it'll be possible to say, well, the name, image, and likeness, teams have fallen apart. That's an old story. Mm -hmm. When I first started, first team I ever saw fall apart, I saw a UC Santa Barbara basketball team start 15-1, and and there was a blow-up between some players, and I think they finished like uh, 23-8 and or something like that. But the great thing about it is they lived in Santa Barbara. They did. So it didn't matter. Except for one guy who took off and ended up playing professionally in Puerto Rico. (laughs) Which was still a win. Well, that's (laughs) just one ocean to the other. Right. Warmer (laughs) water. You got that. 
Over there on that side, yeah. So we spent a lot of time this morning on name, image, and likeness. We did spend some time on the NBA playoffs. The Suns have done it after a lost decade. Two years removed from a 16-win team. They're in the NBA Finals. And the Clippers, the Clippers knew. I think the Suns threw the knockout punch late in the third quarter. Phil, really, Chris Paul threw it. And the seven-point lead with the knockout the shove by Patrick Beverly. <laughs> that was that was after it was over. That was it. Felt like it was done at that point. And I, I think the Clippers knew it was done. It's probably why. Beverly and I have did no it. negative to say about the Clippers. I mean, they battled. That's all you could ask for. They were undermanned. They got they won two ball games, uh, and that was that was very impressive. I have nothing negative to say about Paul George. Uh, he played his butt off, and so that's all you can ask of an, of anybody. He wasn't going to follow up 15 of 20 with 15 of 20 again. No one sustains that. Give me your that. best. He gave his best effort. And that, that's all you can ask for is literally give me your best. Larry Miller had a quote about that. They used to have it uh, up on a wall down here before they remodeled. Maybe it's somewhere else in the building. Just give me your best. Clippers gave their best. Suns, it's a fresh story, and I'm excited for them. I want to see them bring it home. Uh probably going to be favored and they don't know who they're going to play obviously it's between two teams uh, but i would think they'd be favored but you know they still got to go get it done uh, and maybe these ratings won't be great for the nba but i don't care about that i've never cared about that i just care about what i'm interested in and i'm going to be interested in this dj and pk it's 97.5 at 1280 the zone your feedback coming up next stay with us and it's all over almost here. Top 1660 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 130 as Hans and Scotty announce another member of the top 60 players in the state of Utah as we count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon Health and Fitness right here on the Zone Sports Network. Yes. Time for your feedback. <laughs> Brandon at Liberty Mutual. Yes. Wild, wild west all over again. Violations will run rampant. They already are. But, I know. Uh, sure. The school can't be. broker deals, and the line in the sand there is uh, you can't turn these kids into employees. They don't want to do that. That's a line they don't want to cross, even if they have to But the line will be moved themselves. times. Yes, I totally believe that. It, what what does all this NIL stuff means? And uh, and Abel says uh, it means eleven year old me isn't getting Coach Majerus on the ninety four running Utes team to sign that wax paper at Crown Burger after their practice. I don't know about that. Uh, I do think that uh, we have to look at this and realize there's going to be violations, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be a bunch of unknowns, but that doesn't mean you don't try to do the right thing. And student-athletes have the right to make money off their name, image, and likeness. We are capitalists, after all. Yeah, if you sold jersey, a jersey that says Fredette on it, and Fredette doesn't get any money on it, it doesn't make any sense. Agreed. Or if you bought a 44 jersey, but it didn't say Van Horn, but you bought it from 93 to 97. <laughs> Why were you buying it? Van Horn. Yeah. Eventually, some guy from the cross-country team or some girl from the diving team will get miffed because they can't make any money because no one cares about them or their sport, and they'll file a lawsuit, and we'll have more litigation. Uh, You know, I don't know if that's true, particularly from the female aspect, because I think that based on my experience, and I've had this told to me, 
the female athletes are the purest of the pure in terms of they're going to school to get an education and play their sport and they want to win and they work hard and all, but they're not looking at it. Somebody explained this to me and it was actually a female who explained this to me uh, several years back as far as basketball. You know, this was, uh, they're not looking to go professional, even though there's opportunities for them now and for, you know, those who are good enough, but I don't know that I necessarily see that, but at the same time, this is a whole brand new avenue that hadn't existed, so who's to say? Yeah. And there's probably going to be some. But maybe that person uh, who runs a, a, some record mile or what have you, using the cross-country reference, and has a, just a beautiful personality and markets herself, and who's to say? There's the cross-country runner's world magazine or what have you. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and the shoe apparel companies, well, they it's find out that, world. hey, maybe I yeah. need to go find these elite runners and that they can turn into Olympians and sell shoes, and maybe we got to look at this a different way. That's not widespread, but in the cross-country world, maybe can, it means something. And that can still move a lot of shoes. Yeah. What to, will I pay you folks. if you can move 10,000 pairs of shoes? Yeah. So I, I wouldn't put, or golf, golf equipment, having some stud, male or female, on the golf team, uh, and ping signs them up, I whatever. I say, you're probably going to have that happen. Yeah. BYU, I know like BYU's men's golf team, they have a deal with, with ping, but what if some kid says, I want to play TaylorMade over here? Whatever it might be. Yeah. And yeah. so he or she cuts a, a deal with, you know, there's all sorts of golf brands, and golf is sure. a billion-dollar industry, you know what I mean? Some oh, sports lend themselves to, to it more than others. And I meant to tell you this. We need to discuss this on a slow day. My wife plays a lot of golf with women in women's league, and she, women's leagues and teams, competitions. Right. Is that one today? Uh-huh. There's a lady <laughs> that she knows that got irons, and the word is the new irons, $10,000. No way. Yes. Yeah. Hold on. What? <laughs> yes. Ten thousand dollars. Ten grand on not okay. on clubs on irons. Ir- irons. Yeah. I was golfing this past weekend with a guy who has a nine hundred dollar driver, but ten thousand dollars for irons. That's what the word was circulating that these irons cost ten thousand, and the lady said, "Yeah, they ought to swing themselves." Now, obviously, <laughs> she had the nice. finances to go ahead and they, do it. They better clean themselves too. But how about that? Staggering. I lost my seven iron. I can't find it. So I said, I'm going to have to get a new set. Well, we'll, we'll look some more. <laughs> <laughs> All right, DJ PK, we're out of time. Hands and Scotty are coming up next. Stay with us.